T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Previously on Gresh and Fourier. Well, two different people, one in the 508 and one in the 413, said the ultralight aircraft is what John Denver was flying whenever. Was it really? He... I know James Cameron did not discover the Titanic, know, yeah. you knucklehead. <laughs> oh, my God. This is what. This is why This is why Courtney doesn't read the text stream. Because this uh, is why. people react and all yeah. that stuff. Oh, oh no, no. That, no. Was, a, no, that was an experimental play. This is Gresh and Fourier. Each and every night, teams is, you know, they got the Celtic circle on their schedule. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an honor in that, but there's also a humility in that and a respect level in that, that we got to come and put our best foot forward every single night. Can't come lollygagging through the game. Andy Gresh. I mean, obviously, um, it's been a little bit of a struggle. Um, so, uh, Everybody was just telling me, like, stay confident, keep shooting. Um, and they were just trusting me, and so um, it's good to reward that trust. You know, sometimes that just do not go your way. And, you know, we've all been there. But, you know, it's just good to know that we've all been there. And it's like, yo, you know, just keep shooting. Christian Fourier. After the first season, and I saw that it, what, that it was really good for Mac, and I saw that his coach was leaving or whatever, I advised Mac and his agent to go and ask for a trade. I just said, hey, I just think it would be better for you and the Patriots if they trade you. Gresh and Fourier right now. Fourier committing a uh, finger crime already. On WEEI. Here we go on a Tuesday. Celtics, god dang. Making it interesting last night in many respects for no reason. We actually, Fourier, got to see good Zion Williamson last night for the Pelicans, but uh, Celtics had plenty to be able to uh, overcome New Orleans. 118-112 last night, and uh, they'll make it easy on themselves. And I got to say, some of the comments from Joe Mazzulla that we will get to were, uh, were very interesting after last night's game. Uh, is there a chance, Fourier, that... Uh oh! What that the Celtics have been uh, spending too much time smelling their own farts as to uh, how good they are. Yeah, I would like to think that uh, if you heard the the quick little uh, quote right there uh, by Jason Tatum about like the, they will always have a target on their back. They're the number one team, the best team in the NBA. Uh, they have a great home record. Um, they have a great overall record. So, of course, teams that are struggling, teams that are in the middle of the pack are going to try to somehow 
test themselves. Hey, if you can beat the Celtics and you can keep up with the Celtics, especially in their environment and their home, uh, their home stadium, I mean, that's, that's showing what your next level could be. It is interesting that Zion Williamson after the game was kind of talking about like the juice of playing in Boston, whereas, you know, normally it's uh, what Clay Thompson afterwards being like, oh, those Boston fans said naughty words. Yeah. What a great example you are. Oh, I play with a guy that punches people in the face. Yeah. I I think it means something. I still think it means something to beat the Celtics in Boston. Yeah, damn uh, and, right. and now and, and now maybe and I I think it was even a thing when they weren't very good but they haven't been, you know, bad in a, in a long time but now even more so. So you get you get I look at it as this way. We get to go to Boston and play against the Celtics. It's sold out. The crowd's always into it. The team is really good. They got a ton of great players. This is a test. This is the test. So for the Pelicans, like they were passing the test until they ran out of gas, until they couldn't, and until they 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 couldn't like you know make as many shots as they were, especially in the first quarter where they couldn't miss. And then they and then next you know the Celtics woke up, and that's what good teams do. So you give them credit, you know. And then the Pelicans they sit there go well you know we did our best, but you know. And then the Pelicans they say give them credit for you know being great again. So, I, I mean, to me, it still means something, especially like, you know, you mentioned the Warriors, those knuckleheads. Well, God. Well, uh, last night was the fifth time this season the Celtics have overcome a double-digit di- double deficit to win at home. How about that, at home? But what is the common denominator? They were down 17 last night. They were down 21 to Detroit. They were down 15 to Cleveland. They were down 13 to Miami and down 10 to Orlando. And I say, what is the consistent? Because with those teams, Cleveland's going to be a playoff team. Miami has always been tough, but they're just kind of Mets and Mets right now. Uh, Detroit stinks. Orlando is not very good. And this was curious after the game. Joe Mazzula talking about entitlement, and maybe his team does need a bit of a wake-up call. I just hope it happens 10, 12 more times so we can get rid of the entitlement that we're always supposed to be winning. So I hope we have to blow leads. I hope all that happens. I really do. And so, like, that's what I think. I think it's just, like, at times we're just supposed to be winning all the time. And it's just not the case. So we have to stay the course. Sometimes you can be losing because you're playing good basketball. It's just not the, the result isn't being achieved. And, like, you could be losing because you suck. Uh, I thought we sucked in the first quarter. I thought we were losing because uh, the result in the second quarter. There's a difference there. Like, and so we just have to continue to play. It's really important. Have you come around on Missoula, especially after hearing stuff like that? Like, very different last year to this year. Yeah, I'm, I, I have a soft spot for uh, Hardos. Like, I do. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I have a soft spot for Hardos, Meatheads. You know, hardcore teaching, like, you know, learning from mistakes, like, and he's preaching that. I feel like he's pushing all the right buttons, pulling all the right levers, oh, and he's there saying you go. all the right things, that right? Good lever talk. Yeah. That's right. I thought I'd incorporate some Red Sox humor into the Does anybody pull a lever at a slot machine anymore? <laughs> Doesn't everybody just press the buttons now? No, no, I actually saw a video of the, of these, all like, all these gray hair, blue hair, like, you know, grandmas, like, you know, at some casino, and they were just... Oh, they must That's have been. They do. They oh, just, they must have been doing the uh, the uh, uh, a slot tournament. Yeah, They're I think to that's, hit what the that's what it is. They, they Whenever just, it's a slot tournament, all they do is sit there and hit the button like a million times. I don't know why they find that joke, but no, I dude, 
I will take. I will say this. Um, I'm warming up to him. Um, Good. I mean, I don't know where where you were at with him. Oh, I, mean, I I thought he was unfairly maligned last year, considering it was. Oh yeah, the season's going to start. Hey, you're the guy now. Huh? Like how how do you the with what club this team over the head so early last year it became well Missoula's not ready Missoula's not this well yeah he had no we can see the difference for Joe Missoula this year in terms of having an off season to prepare and the way he to your point is whole pulling the levers pushing the buttons all that kind of stuff <laughs> like like that yeah. is that is such. A great line that we heard on the sense of entitlement because and then he mentioned yeah we sucked in the first quarter because he could have come out and said yeah we're smelling our own farts we think we're better than we are and instead he had to say it without being insulting i do think it's so entitlement is the same type of word as like uh, that i hear a lot of coaches use is complacency mm-hmm. you just get hey it's just like you just you figure you can just show up and just you know, the other team is just going to be so intimidated and nervous of you that they're just they're they're not going to try. We're as hard. great. All yeah. we have to do is yeah, show, show up, up and try. you know, and just try a little bit. Where how did Belichick not let that set in with you guys? Is it just the whole keeping everyone on edge? Because I mean, even when you got there, they'd won the year before. You get there your first year, you win it. You're about to go back to back. How did that team not sort of start to get full of themselves? Well, I think part of it is the message that the coach constantly has to create new messages, new ways of, I don't know, proving that he's right. Mm-hmm. So there was lots of videos that we would see of guys thinking that they had all the answers, right? Guys massively failing, teams failing when they had a lead and they just <clears throat> became complacent or entitled, and even though they had a full quarter left to play. So there was lots of that. That's what I think is key. And with uh, Missoula, it's the same thing. You have to constantly, because the season is so long, they will just naturally want to be done. Mm-hmm. Right? You're just like, all right, can we be done with the regular season? So that, to me, is important. Um, and, and you heard, um, I think the other part is like Jason Tatum. Hey, when teams come in here, they are going to give you their best. They play the Indiana Pacers again. For like the fifth time this season, it it's feels ridiculous. Yeah, it like feels enough a little much. with the yeah. Pacers already. It feels a little much. So, but I think a team like the Pelicans are teams that don't show up here that often. Like they are literally taking it as a challenge, and they are going to give you their best. Now it's up to you to kind of shut them up. And a big part of that was uh, D White. Like with six minutes left in the game, started hitting shots. Tatum taking over. How about this? D White one of nine in the first three quarters, five of five yeah. in the fourth. With threes, a uh, guy ended up having like a a a, a thirteen point quarter. Or yeah, his because uh, he had been struggling as of late. He hit that three pointer. You could see him like he lifted his heads up. He's like looking to the heavens. He's like, oh, thank you, Jesus! Finally made a shot. Um, so that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, you mentioned Zion Williamson. I hate to like make this about him, but man, that guy's such a bull. I well, mean, he is just like he, now every. I feel like everything was going in for him too, even oh, after it, contact. It, it was nuts. It was, but he is so up and down and helter skelter. You no, just yeah. don't know what you're getting out of that guy. Like that is one of the things I've really come to appreciate about Jason Tatum, is that he has found a way to play at a superstar level almost every night. And I know he's a little older than Zion and immaturity and things like that. 
but I, like you never know what you're getting with Williamson. It's a roller coaster ride. Whereas when you really think of the elite superstar in the NBA, you kind of have almost like a bare minimum as to what they're going to give you night in and night. Uh, what out. I thought was interesting because uh, Zion was like he likes to live in the paint and do the jump stop thing and and all that stuff. But he gets in there and he's so freaking strong. And then uh, he was a couple times he was covering uh, you know Jason Tatum, and then he just flew by him. It was so it was interesting to like kind of compare and contrast the two styles. And Zion Williamson is a really good player if he's healthy and consistently out there, which he hasn't been able to do. And I thought that Jason Tatum just was so obviously better and more explosive and more dangerous. Just just getting to the rim. Forget about his yeah. outside game. Just getting to the rim because they both do it. They each do it differently. Very differently. And, and Tatum, was so, he just gets there so much faster. And he just knows what he's doing. And he flew by Zion Williamson a couple times. He was like putting his hand out there I wonder, trying to stop him. I wonder how Zion would do on a team like a Boston Meaning, like, you've got other people around you. Because when I look at Zion, it's like, oh, it's kind of got to be all around him or through him. But if you dropped him on a good team, what would a guy like Zion Williamson become? Give you know? me a good team. Give me give me uh, Milwaukee, um, OKC, a team in the West, Minnesota. Well, yeah, I was going to say, say you put him on uh, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Ooh. you know, Boston, somewhere like that. What about Miami? Kind of how does he – well, that's the thing. Like, how, do, how would he kind of fit in? I feel like Zion can be an elite player if he's kind of the first option and can sort of lead the way through everything. I don't know. I don't really it think is about interesting. it that much. No, I don't. It was just he's got just the, the great contrast name and the number one pick and all that. I know, and it's blowing like, out his shoes. Well, and, and, and nothing the, but hope. And uh, listen, I, I really wish Danny Ainge had just taken Jason Tatum number one overall. Like it's amazing that they slid down two spots and still got Tatum, who was the best player in that draft. But you know, I mean, to have the number one pick attached to Jason Tatum, given the way he's played, grown, worked on his body, become really right now. Jason Tatum is Boston's superstar in many ways. It's him and Marshand at this point. Patriots really don't have anybody that stands out. Nope. You know, and uh, the Red Sox, please. They, they're letting, they still don't. Oh, they're letting people go to uh, Toronto yeah. as uh, Justin Turner will uh, now make the uh, another pil- one that got away. The pilgrimage northward. Uh, we're going to get into. Uh, ah, God. Listen, here, I the have reason, a hold on. Re- I have a problem. The and recency I, bias yeah. is just unbelievable. No, I, 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 I wasn't sure if I wanted to do this because I don't really know if it's worth it in a way, and I don't know if I want to play along. But after, uh, so you're taking the cheese? Is that what uh, you're saying? You know what? I, you're eating I have all the de- cheese. I have decided to play along. You and Sean, and I would like your help. Okay, because I feel like this is a group thing, and I. Because I think I'm like, like in Imagination Land, and the recent, and it's called the Imagination Land Recency Bowl. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, pretty amazing. The narrative that is uh, that is out there surrounding not only the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, but our uh, Tom Brady. Uh, word is that Brady is digging in on being a color analyst, even to the point to where he is making some adjustments in his business life. We will hear from Mac Jones, his quarterback coach, on uh, that meltdown. Uh, Gerard Mayo's slow coordinator search. Guess where Gerard Mayo is not this week? Uh, At the Senior Bowl. Because he's still farting around trying to put together a staff. I'd like to think that if it's collaboration, I would love to 
have the head coach who is leading the collaboration nation uh, to make it to the Senior Bowl maybe at some point. Tom Curran will be with us at noon. We got some lighter side of sports for you. Now, more Gresh and Fourier. On WEEI and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Twitch chat is on fire today. Good morning to the Twitchers. Twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. Or go to YouTube, type in WEEI. Click right on the live stream. There you go. Texters at 37937. Tom Kern with us at noon today. All right. I am curious. Am I the only one that is kind of noticing this? Am I the only one that is constantly no, noticing God just no. how and, and and again it 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 to me it's a trap. In a way it's a trap, isn't it? Right? Like hey, uh it's like it's like the national media who did nothing but bitch complain and rip Tom Brady, rip Bill Belichick over and over and over again, dismiss their accomplishments, dismiss like everything that they did together, find reasons why they shouldn't be considered great. Find reasons just over and over again. It's a trap. I do feel like, but I am gonna, I am gonna engage this one time. All right, I'm gonna do it. I want you to come with me, and I'm, I, and I'm curious, like you know, why? Is it just a real simple why? Is this like the? Is this is Patrick Mahomes now the the best looking girl at the prom right now? Like Brady left, right? Well, Brady left. He went to college right now. Yeah. Right now, That's yeah, it. but uh, but people, uh, especially, like I'm 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 trying to say this the right way because we're we're gonna play audio from people that I seriously, if they, they were on fire, I'd drive by them. I mean, I hate to be mean, but like you know, Colin Cowturd, what's he do? I mean, honest to God, he gets on his hind legs and barks every day so that somebody notices. So that's why he says stuff like this about Brady and Patrick Mahomes. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. Peyton Manning, as good as he was, was a teeth clencher. Elway had some really bad big games. Brady was mostly an early game manager. I can say it now. (laughs) Mahomes is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. I can say it, and I've watched Marino and Elway. You know I love Brady. Now, Brady's more productive. But what we're watching here is a player that against the best defenses, in the highest leverage moments, the biggest audience, the most pressure, best defenses, is significantly better. Not better, significantly better than he is in the regular season. His playoff numbers, they don't make sense. It would be like Derek Jeter was a 300 hitter, hitting 370 in the postseason. It's like, wait, timeout. What are we doing here? Juxtapose watching (sighs) Lamar and him. And I'm like, if Lamar's number two in the league, the gap between those two is the Grand Canyon. Um, okay, I'm with you. With uh, I, I feel like, and again, I said I would play along. I'm only going to do it this once because I. It is. It is. It is. It's just the same people. It's just weird, and 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 maybe take it as a sign of respect. It may, and you know, you know, Kraft always used to say, "Jealousy and envy have no cure." Ooh, <laughs> jealousy no cure and envy for... has no cure. Yeah, there's other no than cure. Spite and malice. Yeah, yeah. spite and malice. I prefer spite and malice. Yeah, uh, and because yeah. this is what it, this is what happens, Gresh. Right? Uh, because the same this same person who was you know, doing the same barking, still looking for clicks. I guarantee you said the exact same thing about Brady for years and years and years over a longer period of time. And it was harder for Brady to, I guess, cross over, right? Because it, it took Brady five Super Bowl wins to be considered better 
than Montana. Really six. And then he went down and doubled it down like we talked about, and he beat Mahomes, and he beat Aaron Rodgers, and he beat Drew Brees. And, oh, yeah, you remember that whole undefeated season where they lost against the Giants? Mm -hmm. It is, like, uncanny how quickly and how easily his reputation, his accomplishments have literally just been, like, they never happened. Well, you know, um, if this is supposedly the greatest quarterback that ever lived in uh, Patrick Mahomes, then... How do you put into context the AFC championship game when they went head-to-head and then Brady went to the NFC and still beat the guy in the Super Bowl? Like, that's the part of this where it's like, you know, we say that wins in the regular season, okay, they matter, but they're not the end-all, be-all. It's really how do you perform in the postseason? And we have even noted that in the first five years, Tom Brady was much more of a game manager, and it was, he was coached in a way, as we talked about in our 03 look back, you know, Charlie Weiss came on and said, yeah, there were days where the head coach said, don't take risks, so I had to call the offense or I didn't take risks. And it kind of hurt Brady's numbers a little bit. And then we saw what the guy became. What really gets me about just carnival barker, asshats, let me scream from the mountaintop to try to get a couple of clicks because the guy is, I, I mean, just. But let me, let me, me ask you a question. But let me, okay, here's go. the thing. In the <laughs> moment, it is, wow, look at Tom Brady. At 45 years old, he played MVP level football. That's the part that gets me. And people are like, well, you know, he's Tom Brady. Of course, at 45, he did that. What are you effing kidding me? And if you were going to be real, Christian, there is a chunk of people around here that if they were being honest about themselves, when Brady left, it was, yup, he's old, he's 42, I get it, I understand, and Brady proved all of us wrong. And now you have asshats like this, again, let me get on my hind legs and bark so that somebody will notice what I'm doing. Okay, so there's your stupid slant on the I'll give you that, Colin Coward. Okay, I'll give him the asshat award, okay? But what about a respected, well-known, accomplished former player who I was in the meetings with this guy, London Fletcher, who played a long time, and I cannot tell you how often um, Bill Belichick praised London Fletcher. I remember this. Okay, like could not stop praising him more. Long-ass career. He's on a show that I did a couple times, uh, Monday Quarterback for CBS Sports Network, and he was on there, and of course, yesterday, they asked him the same question. And let me see if you would call him an asset with his, his, with his answer. What you get when you look at Patrick Mahomes is, as I said, the best quarterback in NFL history. And he's doing it at such a young age. And what he was able That's to do That's it. Against- I don't need any more. That's it. He actually decided to go there. London Fletcher, who's played against I Brady. Mean, good now, Lord. do you give him a pass or no. is he speaking the truth? Idiot. No, no, no. I, yes, I know. Another An idiot. idiot. Another idiot. I'm Another with you. One. Like, this just. Uh, 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 London Fletcher played until he's 38 years old. You would think instead of the whole, well, look at what Patrick Mahomes has done so early on, that there'd be a little bit of a memory that, you know, the guy who walked away now in Tom Brady, London Fletcher legged it out to 38. Tom Brady played MVP level football at 45. What are we talking about here? I think it is so, just it's recency bias. It's victims of the moment. But the thing that stands out with me the most, okay, let me see if I can bring you back. Answer me this. Riddle me this. Why was there so much hatred and resistance with Brady 
with all his accomplishments, and Patrick, and for some reason, Patrick Mahomes receives none of that. He receives none of it, zero. It's almost let's fast track him instead of like usually they would stick an anchor on Brady because they did not want him or his accomplishments to keep going. And answer me that stuck it to everybody. Yeah, and he put, so why? Well, there's two things. The Chiefs are likable. The Patriots in the heyday were not. Which 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 era of Patriots? Because it's it's there's so many of them. Oh, there's so many. It's so I long. Would, oh, I would say distinguished. I would say from 07 on. Okay, when, so the when second was, dynasty when it was the perfect season. Oh, okay. That to me is where it really started to go to the next level. And look, there are people across the country, and having done national radio forever, you know, you'll get the. Well, hey, that, that Bill Belichick, he don't say nice things in a press conference, and I, he's traitor. Yeah, you, know, you get those people across the country where there was Spy, there was Spygate, there was Deflategate, and they kept winning and just kept pegging everybody the finger. Yeah, that true. was the other part of it. Is that when you go to what an AFC Championship game? What was it from eleven to twenty eleven to twenty eighteen or something like that? You know, people get sick of it after a while. Here's what's interesting on the juxtaposition of Andy Reid to Tom Brady versus uh, or, uh, Andy Reid and Bill Belichick and then Brady and Mahomes. There used to be the thing with Joe Montana where it was inverted in a way, where it was, oh, look at the coach that he had. He had Bill Walsh, one of the greatest of all time, and then people would be like, well, you know, the guy was really good in Super Bowls, yada, yada. But there's always that connection there. With Reed and Mahomes, it's as if Andy Reed is just some country fried rube. And he's and 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 the, the Pat Mahomes is just kind of out there doing it all by himself. Whereas there are those who will want to give Brady demerits because by God, he played for the greatest coach ever. You know what I mean? So the, I I don't hear any of the well, you know, Brady and Belichick and da-da-da. They're always almost like married together. Whereas with Patrick Mahomes, it's like, oh, no, no, no. He walks on water, and everybody else just kind of, you know, hopes they don't drown around him type thing. I, what, what was the word that they used to use for Brady and just all their success? Oh, yeah, Brady fatigue, Patriot fatigue. That's, that's what it was. That's yes. what it was. Because even, even, even with the whole, it's like, let me choose a phrase to diminish what he, oh, you know what? Brady was productive. Mm-hmm. He was very productive. And and it, and it makes me oh uh, look at look what look what uh, wait, let me give you this one more and we'll go to some calls real all quick right. okay let me go to the last one because what first take did okay and this is your favorite player of all time your favorite analyst of all time oh, Shannon, uh, Sharp. Shannon Sharp okay yeah. they kind of flipped hey, at least it a little he was bit. a player unlike Cal yeah okay so they flipped it a little bit because uh, Molly uh, is it Molly Molly Car- Molly Karam Molly Karam okay she kind of took a different little approach and she asked a question basically. You know, hey guys, who would you take one game, winner take all? Who would be the one guy you would want? Here's Shannon Sharp's answer. Would you rather have Brady or Mahomes for a one game win or go home situation? I'm taking my homeboy because he can do everything Brady can do and more. We're talking about the first seven seasons. The guy has 70 touchdowns in front of Brady and almost 7,000 yards from where Brady was at the same point in their careers. Give me Pat Mahomes, boy. Let me be very clear right now. The answer to this question is Patrick Mahomes. Perfect. So, so the, Sorry so about that, Nick. So it's all about the numbers for so those the, guys so the second, in terms of, of, uh, in, in terms of 
So, uh, so hold on real quick. So, so the guess, second voice was Stephen A. Smith, so yeah, they both yeah. take him. Go ahead. I guess uh, Drew Brees, then, must be the most prolific passer in the history of the NFL. It's, it's so stupid. It's like, and even like, so it's, you mentioned the, it's all about the stats and the numbers and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, because Mahomes can do everything Brady can do and then throw off balance and uh, throw behind himself and throw a back shoulder. And, and he can, like, all these things. So you're telling me the only difference is that Patrick Mahomes can scramble around forever? Well, I would say this. They handle Patrick Mahomes differently because he can scramble. So they'll rush three guys. They'll spy with one. And he has all this time to run around. They don't blitz him. They don't attack him. They don't force him to be a man and have courage and stand there and then force the throw in with accuracy and timing and trust. It's, it's insane. It is. It is insane. And and a lot of the guys like Shannon Sharp will look at the head-to-head and they just throw that out because it's just an easier way. Well, like, uh, uh, again, you know, there's a couple of factors with Mahomes. Number one, the league is different. Number two, we are playing more games now. So it hasn't been a long time, but there is a little bit of that. And number three, Patrick Mahomes landed on a playoff team. I mean, let's be real about it. Like, Tom Brady was drafted to a team that was a five-win team. Now, no, he was there He was there for the 20 season. So that would have been Bill's first year. So he was brought in coming off of 8-8 eight and eight with Belichick coming in. So it's a little different in terms of the teams that you're you're kind of drafted to. And I would dare say, and I would think that, you know, Christian, you are the head of tight end nation. And you got a guy like Shannon Sharp, who I would dare say that if he were sitting here and I questioned the defenses he played against, he would talk about how much tougher they were, how the league was different, and why those numbers that he put up should be looked at a little different contextually than other tight ends of the modern era. But when we're talking about Brady and Mahomes, let's just bow down because Mahomes has more passing yards. Yeah, and I'm with you. And that's why Brady is the most interesting man in the world because I would even say even when – even in the first half of Brady's career, even though Manning, in the first half of his career, even though Manning wasn't nearly as productive, successful, couldn't win a Super Bowl, couldn't beat Brady head-to-head, um, he was still regarded as a better quarterback, even though Brady was literally beating him and winning and making the plays that mattered at the most important time. And then it, then you fast-forward to the second half, it was Aaron Rodgers, who wasn't as accomplished, couldn't do as much, and still they considered him better than Brady, yet here we are again, proving them wrong. It just is amazing to me, like this weird, I guess, resistance to just, you know, acknowledge the greatness and keep it where it's at because he Mahomes is going to have to play another 12 years. Will he? Does he have a chance to do yeah. it? Sure he does, of at course. Crazy, crazy high level. Yeah. That's the other thing. Is this guy going to be 40 years old, still throwing 35 touchdown passes and 10 interceptions or less? That's the crazy part about all of this. And this is very much in the moment. This is very much the, okay, how can we find a way to, you know, look at this. Stephen A. on Lamar, it was a choke job. You know, it's really funny about how the Nationals treat Lamar Jackson. Did you see how hard it was for those guys on, like, ESPN some of these, you know, people that we've sort of heard from here. The or Ryan whatever, Clarks of the world. But how painful it was for them to have to actually say, 
Lamar Jackson sucked in the AFC title game. <laughs> I know. Like, it killed it does, They them. don't want to say it out loud. Whereas, it feels like if Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers slipped on a banana peel, those guys would be all the first ones to be piling on. But when it's Lamar Jackson, well, we got to take half. Like Matthew, even even we got to put some stuff in the context. Even the uh, even the Brady Super Bowl against uh, Philly when he threw for like I don't know it felt like a five hundred yards. But the last series when they got the ball back right to go try and like win the game, his arm gets hit and he, it's an incomplete or got intercepted, and they blame him for that. The loss, <laughs> it's amazing. I, if I'm Tom Brady, all I do is send the first take. The final 15 minutes of the Atlanta Super Bowl, and then a picture with that ring right on my dong, <laughs> and say, "Here you go, there you go. There's what I think of your takes. There's where the other. There's where my sixth ring went. Where are yours, idiots? Well, Bite me. Well, he, he's but Brady's in- too nice to do that though, because Tom Brady's going to be an analyst now. Well, he's in that world now. Uh, he he's is. in that world. Yeah, it is. It is rather uh, infuriating to say the the least. Um, six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Uh, Mark in Medford is uh, kind of with me on all this. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, let's just call it what it is, guys. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan, but let's face it: that this whole country would have respected and liked the Patriots more for what they did over the last twenty years of that dynasty and winning six Super Bowls. But they got caught cheating not once but twice, and a lot of people feel. There should be an asterisk next to those championships and whatnot, and they don't deserve them, and they were phony. Let's just call it what it is. That's why the Patriots are disliked. That's why they're hated, Mark, and I'm, I, I think there's a big, big, big part of it. And even, you know, even as much as a couple years ago, there would be people who would be making the jokes about, oh, what about that Brady ball pressure? And here's what I say to people who made a big deal about Deflategate. Did you watch a football game this year and wonder, I wonder what the PSI is in that football? Is it really such a massive advantage that if that football was at 12.4 PSI, not 12.5, 12.4, what would that make a big difference in da-da-da? Remember the NFL, Christian, also said coming out of all this, well, this will be something that we study. This will be something that we, we're going to study and we're going to keep track, right? Oh, but didn't they do that with the Patriots and Chiefs game this year with the kicking balls? Hang on. But, oh, <laughs> yeah, you're we're, yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> All right. Oh, Nick. Um, <laughs> yeah. Word is Tom Brady is ready to be a color analyst. Is anybody excited or curious? Are you excited for Tom Brady? I am, but it's what uh, it. The question is, I think, will people accept him? That to me is the biggest question mark. I don't know why they wouldn't. We'll get to all this next. Now more Gresham for you on WEEI. I hate that we've gone into our just like everybody else mode with the Patriots now. We'll get to everything with Gerard Mayo and all that kind of stuff. I just saw a freaking thing on uh, <laughs> the TV, like on the bottom. Are the Chiefs a dynasty even if they don't win Super Bowl 58? What? How? Seriously, like, this is what we were just talking about. How far are we going to move the goalposts for the goddamn Kansas City Chiefs? It's amazing. You're right. You're right. There's just how how closer can we move the goalposts? That's really, that is, that's yeah. the reality of it. I mean, the Patriots had 
three different dynasties or two yeah. if you just say, well, you got to win to be able to have a dynasty. Like, it's just amazing to me the, hey, here's the narrative that we want to happen. So how can we find a way to, because I would guarantee dollars to donuts, if Brock Purdy outplays Patrick Mahomes or they both play well and the Niners win, it'll be, wow, we'll add all kinds of context to the performance of Patrick Mahomes. But Brock Purdy, he's nothing more than the last guy in the draft. So aggravating. It's the system for Brock Purdy. It, 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 uh, hey, there, for all we know, Brock Purdy is, could be the next Tom listen, Brady. There hey. is some of that. Or Brock Purdy could uh, be the next Jake Delhomie and out of there in a couple of years, and Mac Jones is out yep, there. Yep. Uh, by the way, the ratings numbers are in, and the NFC Championship game had more people than the AFC title game. So, scriptwriter, how's that happen? <laughs> Uh, the CBS AFC title game did 55.47 million. NFC title game did about 56 and a half. Again, some things you just, uh, you, you know, you, you you can't script. You just have to kind of step aside and you let the mm. actors freelance. Oh, okay. It's like, in, in, you know, it's like an impromptu session. It's I got like, it. uh, you know, interpretive music, interpretive why dance. Because why would the NFL go through all of this? Hey, it's working. If the game with Taylor Swift is not. More watch. It'll probably be the highest rated Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowls. Oh, yeah. There are some who think that we're looking at 150 million yeah. people. And then maybe they will That's be insane. tracking Taylor Swift's jet like most kids do Santa's sleigh say, with NORAD. Yeah, NORAD, NORAD will be, will be tracking her plane. No no, no question. Ah, it's going to be awesome. I, can, uh, I can't wait. I can only imagine uh, what that whole thing is uh, going to be like. So I know that you and I, in talking about Tom Brady, and we just went nuts. Everybody wants to make Patrick Mahomes as good as him. Tom Brady has signed on for um, hundreds of millions of dollars with Fox to go into the booth next year and be the number one color analyst on their football uh, presentations. And uh, apparently Brady has now taken his TV12 brand and another business of his, and he is going to merge with the guy who runs No Bull, I do believe. Yes. So a lot of the Brady companies, let's call it, you know, it'll be a little less hands-on for Tom. He's going to, you know, be all over the place and traveling, and who knows what exactly he's going to do for Fox, right? And apparently Brady has been hunkering down to be good on this to the point to where Terry Bradshaw and Julian Edelman on a podcast out there Games somewhere. with names, whatever. Oh, there we go. Uh, he, they were uh, talking about Brady to the booth. I was not a student of the game. Yeah. There wasn't that much back then, nothing like now. So Tom, Tom will learn all of this in time if he puts the time in. He will. And he will. And the more comfortably. And America's got to like him. Yeah. They're going to love him, number one, just because he's Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, everybody is waiting, 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 and that's a lot of pressure on him, but who can handle it better than Brady? This is what my dad said. Pressure is either make diamonds or bust your pipes. Which yeah. one's it going to be? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's watching. I'm sure he's observing. <laughs> that last part I forgot he's about. So he's such a hard-o scale. Can we bring back the Julian Edelman hard-o scale? Oh, I think he just broke more, his own scale. It's more the cringe scale now. Oh, so, you're right. It is a little cringe-worthy. Oh. But 
The thing that stood out to me is either make diamonds or bust your pipes. Uh, Which yeah. one's it gonna be? He's sitting yeah. there, sitting there with the taco meat hanging out of that shirt. He just too. won't shave his oh, chest. He won't God. do it. I, I, I credit him for just owning the hairiness. But what I disagree with is what Terry Bradshaw said, and that everybody's gonna love him. That everyone's gonna love him. I don't think so at all. Really? Nope. I think the love affair right now is Greg Olson. The accolades and the and the praise is going to Greg Olson, former tight end, by the way, who is the number one chair for, for Fox. And everyone, no one can stop praising him. And he's likable and he's lovable and he doesn't have the, the, the history that Brady has. I think... He'll be a solid number two. I think most people are going into this situation with Brady. Um, different than Romo who came on crazy and, you know, predicting plays, and then it kind of died out, and then it became stupid. Now, I, don't, I think most people can't stand Tony Romo. Brady, on the other hand, is already replacing somebody that everybody loves and everybody universally agrees that is really, really good. It's going to be tough for him. I don't think so at all. I think so. Listen, Greg Olson. I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be hard for him. Greg I think Olson, they're going to be resistant to it. Greg Olson is a nice broadcaster. He's good at the role. But come on now. It's Tom Brady we're talking about. We just about. did a whole 20-minute segment about the resistance and the diminishing of the records. And You think they're going to open open arms, accept him as, like, great? Like, not yeah. a chance. I no, think he's not going, a chance. Because I think he's going to be really good at this. He's putting in. Brady has been putting in a lot of work. Brady's going to understand how to present information. And here's the thing that is... What will make Tom Brady interesting as a color analyst is the same reason why we want Bill Belichick to go to TV. That you'll explain it from the inside out. Because there are really only a small handful of people on earth who really have context and understand the depth of knowledge that both Bill Belichick and Tom Brady has. And to hear Tom Brady break down plays and through another quarterback's eyes... That's fascinating to me. Again, I'm not disrespecting tight ends overall. Greg Olson does a nice job. But Tom Brady has the ability, like a Romo, like when Romo's on it and he's calling out plays, or like in that AFC title game or whatever it was in the battle between Kansas City and Buffalo, I thought it was great. He was calling it out left and right and was really good. I think Brady is going to be that way, too. I think just like any uh, film critic who is critiquing a movie from like a Martin Scorsese or something like that, Right, you're already going in with this is gonna be the greatest movie of all time because yeah. this guy's a stud. You're gonna assume the same thing with Brady. And when he lets you down because he's not polished, he hasn't done it. Now he can do as many practice games as, as he can. Doing it live is totally different. He now you know be, that he will be better than I'm Romo just saying. I'm just saying automatically. You're assuming that people are just gonna accept him. I'm saying yeah. they're gonna be resistant. He's gonna have to win him over. Greg Olson, again, he's a nice name, and he's a good player, and he's a good broadcaster. He's a great but player not, and a great broadcaster. But I don't but I don't think it's going to be slow singing and flower bringing for the rest of America to be, where's my Greg Olson? Hell, there are people who think my guy Kevin Burkhardt isn't worthy enough to be beside Tom Brady I in the booth. I can't believe that you think you're going to like that. They're just going to receive him and just like just take every, like just accept it. I think that he's going to have to massively win them over. When, he's going to have to do – it's going to be tough for him to win over. When we – and Chicken Nick, mark this 
because when we go back after the first weekend of the yeah. NFL season and we break down Brady, I think you are going to be blown away by how good I'm not saying that he's not going to be good at no, it. No, but I'm, I'm saying, saying that he's, he's going, going to, to have to win than, them over. He's going to be better than Romo right away, and people will quickly forget about Greg Olson. Again, it's Tom Brady. Plus, he's beautiful. There's one thing Greg Olson doesn't have is those I looks. Know. He's got he's different. He's got a, a, a certain you know charm to him that makes him better looking, mm. and a lot of confidence, which I think is more oh, more important. That's, that's it's like what sex it is. appeal, yeah, right? I rather someone who has a lot of sex appeal than looks. I if I'm gonna it. have both, I'm an I'm an I'm, I'm a happy well, man. Doesn't Brady check all those boxes? He does. He does. And there's a lot of other boxes that he checks. Well, and he, and if Taylor <laughs> Swift is still around as well. <laughs> if Taylor Swift is still around as well, we're going to have the ultimate convergence uh, of celebrity. The key is like, who is Brady going to date? And then will we see them in the booth? Oh, now we now we need to find like a 40-year-old, really good-looking divorcee 40. or something know. like it that. seems a little too old for him. You right? better go, you into the, he's going into the... I would the... say he was not touching anyone in his 20s. They're going to have to be 30 with some sort of, you know, resemblance to life experience that is, you know, tangible and important, right? Or, or just a hot Instagram account. Then there's that. There is that, too. Then there's that. Uh, uh, the Inside the Fall of Mac Jones. There was a big old piece in Mass Live about all of this, and Tom Curran talked to Mac's quarterback coach. Uh, we will listen to some of that and start to peel apart Mac and his future next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Remember, you can listen to WEEI on your smart speaker. Just say, play 93.7 WEEI. Now, more of Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Hour two on a Tuesday. Tom Kern, hour from now. He'll be with us at noon. Billy Lanning's got you... uh trending coming up in about 15 minutes from now or maybe a skosh less and i know that uh the folks at mass live fourier mm-hmm. did a uh big thing on uh, mac jones yesterday oh yeah i know that uh tom curran on his podcast talked to uh 
uh, Max quarterback coach as well. Is that Dan Orlovsky or is that Bill O'Brien or is that some other guy? <laughs> The, the guy that is that he's talking yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an which, older fella. Which quarterback coach are we talking about? Is this the guy that helps him with his throwing? Is it yeah. the guy that actually was his quarterback? Is this Matt? Is Pat- it somebody with the, on this, the Jets organization? Is this Matt Patricia? Yeah, there was uh, that. Where in the story that was in Mass Live yesterday, uh, and I know that we will hear some of this as well, uh, but apparently Belichick just didn't communicate with Mac at all. Just what stop talking. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, is it real? Do I believe it? That Bill just stopped. Shun Mac. Just, yeah, because in a way, I'm so, I, in a way, I, I could care less about Mac Jones and what happened to him and why anymore. Everybody's been fired or everybody's going to be gone who had anything to do with this. It's mm-hmm. like, let's just be, let's just get over it and never mention his name again. So do I think Bill holds a grudge? Absolutely. Do I think Bill is vindictive? Absolutely. Do I think he likes whiny, bitchy, complainy, go-behind-my-back people? I think he hates them. He likes loyalty. He likes disciplined guys, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, He he likes the snarkiness, too. But everything that I think that Mac represents, I think he hates. Which is interesting because the first year went so well, and then you put in a country-fried rube as O.C., and you just expect this guy to sit there and say, thank you, sir. May I have another? But do you believe that there is a situation where it's he's the quarterback? At the worst case, like, in, you know, in the best case scenario for him, once he got benched and demoted, well, he was a backup quarterback. So yep. he's got to be involved. He's got to be into it. He's got to be, you know, available. He's got to be hovering around the quarterback coach. He's got to be around the, the starting quarterback. And I didn't see him do that in the beginning. And we, it, there's nothing about Bill O'Brien freezing him out, who is the offensive coordinator, he, he, who was his position coach. There is that. But then there is the Bill just freezing everybody out. Apparently in the last couple of weeks down there, Bill tried to grab control of stuff and things like that. Hell, I bet you if you got Bel- Belichick on the boat with a couple of pops in him or whatever, you'd be able to get him to say, well, yeah, the reason I'm sitting here is because Mac couldn't make five throws over the course of the, you know, 23 season. Yeah. I, I think there's really what it comes which down is, to. Which to me, I think is horrible, personally. You're the head coach. Suck it up. Don't be a baby. You're a grown man. You're an adult. Like, what are you doing? You're going to, like, act like you don't see him? You're going to walk by him and, and just, just, you're so angry. He probably looks at Mac as, the, to your point, as the reason why he's in this position in the first place, even though he had a hand in destroying him. No doubt. And if he can't, and if Matt, if Bill can't admit that, then holy crap. I do think it's interesting, though, Gresh, like how, like this is coming up, like how you're starting to see when Bill was fired, you were start, it, was, it felt like a smear campaign. Um, Towards Bill, and now that Mac is kind of like Bill is gone, and and Mac's kind of you know just kind of floundering around in this building, but mm-hmm. now it's rumored that he's going to be gone. They're not going to pick up his fifth year option. Now you're starting to hear how poorly he was treated, how badly they managed him, how terrible their development plan with him was, how they just completely iced him out and uh, and just didn't involve him in anything and didn't communicate with him and didn't even he didn't even know that he was going to be a you know healthy scratch in the last game of the season what a jerk that what a jerk move that would that be that is uh that is a little excessive from bill there's no question so i believe i personally believe 
take take this however you want. I don't care that this is a big part of Mac Jones and his PR firm saying we got to fix your reputation. We got to let everybody know out there that you did everything possible and they just royally screwed you. They isolated you. They kept you in the dark. They stopped coaching you. And then they tried to coach you, but they did it with a defensive quarter and they forced you to deal with it. And they and they also didn't want you to to bitch or complain. They just wanted to force feed this crappy ass system and this stupid message and they didn't want you to bitch or complain. Like and and oh by the way, Listen, you're in safe safe territory now because everybody hates Bill. Nobody's hiring him. So let's go out there and let all the other coaches know and let all the other media members know that this had nothing to do with you. You're still a great player, and you could be fixed. If what happened to Mac Jones here happened to Justin Fields in Chicago, there would be people that we just – heard from on the stupid Brady Mahomes stuff, yeah. <laughs> who would be sitting on yeah. the four-letter network screaming yeah. how it was one of the greatest injustices in the A- history. Yeah, absolutely. But because it's Mac, you're not going to get any of that. Nope. So he's got to back-channel it and do it himself. Mm-hmm. And so you, you know, you, you know, so sources say that he spoke to some of the uh, Zach Wilson, and Zach Wilson was praising the Jets and how at least they were honest with him and communicated with him, and it didn't work out, and, and they told him they were going to trade him, and they, they wanted to make sure he was you know, you know, mentally ready for it, and then it didn't work out. But, but Mac, because it's Mac and because it's Bill, was kept in the dark. Well, can you think of a time when you were around where that spite and malice kind of showed up? Because some would say Malcolm Butler, Butler not playing in the Super Bowl was one of those moments. This whole thing with Mac towards the end, not talking to him or whatever. I know at the end, the Corey Dillon divorce was a little messy because even Randy Moss just a little even, bit. Yeah, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. it Randy never, it never bit. really got yep. out. But the whole, the way yep. Moss started to act towards mm-hmm. the end of his run here, yep. behind the scenes, that was something. So, is that just Ty Law? I mean, is that just the way Bill handles it? Like, there you go. Like, there's a good one. You know, we've walked back on that whole 03 deal. Was Bill communicating every day with Laura Malloy, or was it, well, it's the business of the NFL, you're gone. I feel like there's a lot more of the latter, and if we just thought about it, we can probably find some other examples, whether it is flattering towards Bill Belichick or not. Or like, or Mac is not the first one. He's no. not. He's not like the exception no. to the rule. He, he is, is the rule. He is the most known or most important one after, say, Malcolm Butler. Because with Butler, it was the Super Bowl, but with Mac, it was the quarterback. And the guy came in, played well as a rookie. You won a bunch of games. I know people forget you went to the playoffs, all that kind of stuff. How do you feel about uh, about my opinion of Mac? Um, at least his camp doing this getting out in front of this on purpose. Yeah, I think this is more of a everybody knows it's bad, but you didn't know how bad. And it started to come out when Mayo became coach, right? Oh, collaborative, silos, you know, uh, hovercrafts, whatever. You know, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Duck boats. Well, it cost the God, right? <laughs> Everything was wrong. Yeah. No, but I think. <laughs> Ultralights. But I think we're we're what we're getting from kind of the Mac side here is the context of what we all saw. Christian, there was nobody who was like, boy, Matt Patricia, what a great hire. It was more, 
what are you doing to this kid type thing. And then it became when Matt Patricia left, okay, here's a functional offensive coordinator. Maybe you don't realize how damaged the quarterback really was. And, and again, I even go back to look at the first two games of the year. He looked way closer to 2021 than he did the guy who ended the year. So I think what we're kind of getting is the clarity or for those real old who remember Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Now that's what we're getting here. I See, I would, I, if I was him, like this would be my, my game plan. This would be my game because the problem with Mac, and I saw this even in my career, like when I was a free agent, I started taking all these trips and, and all these coaches were like asking me like why I wanted to retire. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't know. What to t- I, I never wanted to retire. I, w- I talked about it like a couple times, but it was never, a, you know, because things sucked, you know, but like uh, I never really wanted to. So I had to literally convince these coaches and these teams and these GMs that, no, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. That was a momentary like discussion I had that I was like, who the hell told how the hell did he get out? Yeah, the narking going on. Yeah, that's- it's a small. It is a small community of coaches, and they all talk to everybody. So they all have heard. They've all heard stories. They all read the news, and Max been a big part of it. If I'm his people, if I'm his camp, I'm releasing stories. I'm letting everybody know. And you mentioned injustice. Yeah, to take a prize possession like this, a a guy that was so unbelievably successful in college. And just completely destroy him. But because out of spite, out of like your personal vindictiveness, of mm-hmm. your attitude, of like your your old curmudgeon ways, that to me, well, people will be like, you know, this guy, dude, I get it. I'm 27. Like, dude, look, we're the same. And the old boy network. Yeah. I'm going to hire my guy Patricia to do something because yeah. he'll be loyal and all that whatnot. He's going to get snatched up. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a legitimate chance to start. The NFL. If you're if you're San Francisco and you liked Mac from the beginning and you look at the depth that you have, you why wouldn't you consider that? I mean, if you really if they really liked him, that's the thing. Plus, he he's got to go if Mac if Mac goes to another organization because I still think until there's a lot more clarity on the offensive side and what they might do with the number three pick, it, not that he's factored in, but they're not just going to punt him off the roster for fun. However, if you're Mac and say you don't get traded or you just get released and you can go out into the wild and find your team. That's where you got to try to go to a Shanahan, someone like that. McVay. Who has a history of being able to kind of nurture quarterbacks, bring them back, whatever it is. Because I still think there will be people across the league who will say, yeah, Bill screwed it up. I got He's a first-rounder. Who you got? Atlanta? No. Oh. Although that wouldn't that wouldn't be bad either. Tampa? <laughs> that wouldn't be bad. Oh, there, actually, there's a lot. Minnesota. Huh. Go with I Kevin just, O'Connell. Hey, I was a quarterback. I can see what they did to you. Because that's the thing. The coach yep. is going to have to talk sweet nothings into yeah. his ear, right? Be real and, gentle with them. Mm-hmm. I I know. I'm telling you, you know those dogs in that like Sarah McLaughlin video, those commercials where the dogs are beating? I hate those. That's, I, those are the I, ones you have, to re, you have to nurture them. You I, have to rehabilitate. Uh, he needs re- rehabilitation is what he needs. I, I can't watch those commercials. And, yes, yeah, and that's the thing. So – does he go to somebody that either 
has a strong offensive coordinator with a history of working with quarterbacks or a head coach who is calling plays. And think about it. He's got like the that. one. So he's got two years left. Uh, you know, they're not going to pick. No one's going to pick up that fifth year option. He goes to a team. He proves himself. They can still pick up the fifth year option, which could still technically be considered. I think they'll miss the window. Even Will if they? You, even if you trade him, yeah. You would have to do sort of like what uh, maybe what Green Bay did with uh, Love where they worked out like a two-year deal once uh, he became the starter. Yeah, 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 so yeah. instead of being okay. on the hook. But, but uh, look, I, right now you're making him sing for a supper at this point. Like there's, you know, this is where the whole like business end of me in the NFL comes into play. It's like, yeah, we'll give you opportunity, but it's league minimum. Unless your contract de- dictates otherwise, in which if say Mac were traded somewhere, it's about two nine in salary. Which nowadays in the uh, would you rather do pay uh, Jacoby Brissett six million to back up, or if you're like Kevin O'Connell, you know what I mean? The whole hey, this guy was a first round pick. I can get him really cheap by NFL standards. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. I am about to keel over and die. I really feel like it, that I'm just going to stand up and. and wow, you still it. you're still sick. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, want me to make night, you laugh? Had, no, God, no. My uh, my kid like had uh, school last week, and he came home, and all weekend he's just hacking and coughing and all that. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate because it's going. I mean, it is everywhere for crying out loud. Like, just the whole. Uh, uh, everybody getting sick and the sniffles are being around kids or whatever. And no, I just feel like at some point I'm going to keel over. Well, I was just writing a friend of mine about some of the, uh, and I know we're going to get to the senior bowl stuff, uh, later on, but, uh, like, Hey, you know, I was asking him about, uh, Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Not, and, not on the team that is coached by Troy Brown, by the way. I know. I mean, what a break. A bad break. I know. At least you'd like to get Troy's it's, thoughts on, hey, I was with these guys in the huddle because he's the OC for one of the teams. Yeah, like, oh, this is this is the, the league really testing Troy Brown. <laughs> yeah, but I put Knicks and Penix, okay, instead yeah. of the full names, just real quickly. And uh, so it auto-corrected. You Penix is name. Auto-corrected? Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> it went to Nick. Wait, it went to Nick's penis. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I was like, broken. wow, what are the odds? Yeah. What are the odds? See, now you feel better. Oh, that is See, great. that'll get you to yeah, cough up I, all that phlegm. I died. Uh, trying to. Find I'm a- sure it's a common mistake. What's that? Oh, during Nick's, the draft, wait, someone is going to say Nick's penis. You say? I was just going to say. Are you saying that Nick's penis is a mistake? <laughs> What have you Someone seen? is going to mess up. Now, who knows if Bo Nix is, uh, you know, or Michael Penix going the second round? Because isn't the second round when they usually have, like, a guest picker? Right? It's like Roger Goodell. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, or is it the third yeah, and fourth round? Be, we're like, here's Ty Law. Yeah, here's super fan uh, Pat Patriot here oh, to make the pick. That's third day. Oh, okay. That's yeah, no, they don't. Get picks. Yeah, right. They're not rolling out, you know. The J-E-T-T-T-S uh, Jets. Here the winner of a contest online is Nick LeBan. Here's little Nick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Here's J-E-T-E Jets. There you go. That guy. That poor bastard. I think that was a former player, though. It was. He was a fullback. Yeah, he was a fullback. Yeah. Again, live. Pro bowler. Too many hits to the head. Too excited. Uh, yes. Too excited. Forgot how to spell it. 
Oh, my God. There's someone in the Twitch chat who appears to be excited to be able to type the word penis. <laughs> like, this is the Listen. level. This is the level of some in the Twitch chat. I, I Listen, certain things I will, the- I will never get over, will never get old to me. Oh, you want to do this one? No, 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 no. Uh, fart jokes? Me, I was going to say. Fart jokes I, and penis jokes. Oh, I was wondering what, how you were going to uh, no, weave, weave peni into no, this. No, it doesn't. It's, I still, like, no matter what, I don't care how old I get, farts are always funny. To little fatty, since apparently in the Twitch chat, being able to say penis is a big deal, <laughs> or type in member. There you go. I mean, how hard is it really? Good grief. I mean, it's a t- scientific name. I'm pretty sure you could say it. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, that's right. I'm just, oh. not, I don't know. We're not scientists. We don't play scientists on TV. But. Can, can you imagine, like, uh, uh, Jim Montgomery, you know, after a game? Well, he took a shot to his member. You're like, what? Oh, oh I know what he means. Uh, they, in hockey, they would dress it up. Do you think, like, like if you use, or something. if you use, like, European slangs for, like, you know, Curse words, like European, you know, curse words. And you um, you don't get in trouble if you use them in America, right? If you're a coach. Uh, like, you want to call us, like, uh, I don't know. Just curious. It's almost like a get-out-of-free-jail card. Hey, I'm using, like, a slang from another country, so it's not offensive. I like no, it that. still is. Is it? Yeah. It can be, yeah. I was but saying, it, like, it sh- you should be, you that should be in a safe zone. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, again, you know, wanker. Great. I mean, yeah. you're you're calling someone a... Uh, yeah, that's my point. So yeah, Montgomery yeah. should use that. You can't... It's a little weird, though. Well, it's like a, it's like a, like it's a, like a loophole. Like, especially if you have a guy with a Canadian accent, you know? Hey, you wanker. You know what I mean? Like, they, they do hoser. There's another one. Call that would be weird if uh, a guy born and raised in the United States is using the word a hoser. Why? Just it just would be but weird. Isn't it, but wouldn't it be uh, weird for an American to be using uh, English lingo? Well, you know, to me, it's like uh, who's the receiver from uh, Seattle that was using sign language to because he didn't want to get fined. Was it DK Metcalf? No, it was DK Metcalf. He was using sign language uh, after he scored to rip. The corners who couldn't cover them. I mean, that's which I thought slick. is which I thought is great because, and I was I would think the NFL would be like, no, 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 we know what you're doing. They would find you anyways. But I used to I used to send my my kids like I you know we made up our own sign language, but like during games, like it's because I didn't want to be the parent yelling. I would have little code words. I'd be like, I I would be like the one lady who was at the press conference, yeah, and she didn't she wasn't like a trained licensed sign language interpreter person got it and she was just making up making it up as she went as along she was going like it was a third base coach <laughs> in major league baseball yeah and she got away with it until somebody who really needed to you know use it to understand what was going on called in and said wait a second she she's making stuff up i could see billy <laughs> and benny lanny Whenever uh, little Benny is out there in a little league or something like that, instead of Billy being the guy who would yell, I could see Billy sign languaging a little bit or so, or coming up with some sort of a uh, code so that just a look. Yeah. You just well, that's enough. Look, that's uh, enough. You got to have like three or four of them though, right? There's like the good job look, like you're screwing up look. They're stop being a baby look. Get off the ground look. Yeah, like I can't practice them. They'll just come naturally. Oh yeah, they yeah, will. yeah. They'll uh, yeah. See, that's the same with me. 
Now, Billy, will your lady be sensitive to you maybe uh, getting on little Benny as a, as an athlete like that? Or No, she knew right out of the get-go that I was banking on him being a lefty. There you go. So oh, this guy, this Billy Lanny so never misses knew. anything. Yeah, so if I can get him to be a lefty out of a bullpen, that's a 20-year career. That is exactly and if, right. Uh, and if I can't get him, if he's not left-handed, I'm banking on him being a catcher to uh, control the game. Ooh, I like that. I like that. And I would also teach the, him to throw a football between his legs. Nah, the plan of the lefty, that, the 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 left-handed relief pitcher, Billy's right. That's fifteen years. You no, no, suck. yes. Also, just in case, well, teach him to throw a football between his legs. Uh, listen, CTE is a big deal. That's, that's a not, tough sell. That no, you don't ever get hit, and you'll, you'll at least go to college for free. Well, there, nobody can do it. There is that. There is that. That's Ball a lie. Cardona made a tackle this year. Did he make a tackle? <laughs> Did he really? I think so. Uh, he probably fell into it. Someone probably knocked him down, and then he fell into it and just grabbed him. I'd love to uh, hear, like, uh, Diossi go old man on, back in my day, I got run over Yeah, but he's snapper. like a real athlete. Like, no, he's I a legit, it. like, but football was, player. But he was also a snapper who was a sitting duck and probably, oh, yeah. you know, wakes up some days with ringing in his ears because now you can't touch the snap. The- now it's easy to be a snapper in the NFL. No, yeah, that's my point. So the two rules that they changed, it's so crazy that you even mentioned this. I was literally thinking about this the other day. The two rules that that would probably change the way my life would be yeah, uh, would be the, uh, what is it, the... Um, the wedge busting rule for kickoff Ooh, return. I love that. Where the poor saps that used to have to set the wedge. I'm telling you, like it was so funny. Usually it'd be a four man wedge or an if or two man wedge. And you're supposed to lock arms and nobody is supposed to leave, right? You're a wedge. You're creating a wedge. Sure. Somebody would always wimp out and kind of fly. Oh, I kind of let. And then one person would take the brunt of the hit because there was always some psychopath who was 6'5", 255, and could run like a 4'4". And his only job, because he couldn't do anything else, was just to bust up the wedge. And you just had to sit there and take it. I was the kicker and the wedge buster in high school, so I would kick it and then run That's insane. as fast as possible, 300 pounds. Being the wedge buster. That oh, rule. so fun. That rule and the whole, like, I would never even snap the ball, but those poor centers used to just get their asses kicked like on a the, regular Like the long basis. snappers and the short snappers. Yeah, and then the guys, the defensive players who were real jerks, they had this, like, kind of, like, uh, technique where they would, like, really push them down. Push them down. Push them down. Or go or underneath and yep. then, like, and, like, and literally just lift throw them up. up. Yeah. They just get their ass kicked on a regular basis. It was the worst. It was one of the tougher, and the best though. It was one of the tougher jobs in football. Now they made it really. So easy when on. you would see like a uh, a ball go over a uh, um, a punter's head mm-hmm. or a snap for the holder, you it's usually because the guy who was snapping the ball was nervous about getting killed, so he would rush it because he wanted to protect himself. He didn't want to get killed. So if they if you kicked a lot of field goals, the long snapper. Would would be the key, like little sneaky part where you could, you know, maybe you know get a break and block a kick because that dude was freaked out. That's why there is, uh, for I think in particular older coaches, that layer of security to have that old vested veteran long snapper, you know, whomever it is, whatever team it is. It's to have that guy where you know he's like he's not going to screw it up. Yeah, he's not going to rush it. He's going to, you know, that is. 
uh, it's one of those positions, a little bit like kicker, quite honestly, where it's sort of undervalued. Like it is, you go ahead and screw up three of those in a year and see what happens. Like you'll figure out real quick that you ain't got a a long snapper. Do we need to hear from? Uh, uh, do we need to hear from Max Coach? Let's hear one. Since we ha- let's just hear from one because I don't think. And we're going to talk to Kern, and Kern did the interview because this was on his uh, his podcast. And the one that I think is the best, uh, because he, here are the things that he went over mm-hmm. real quickly. Because uh, did I delete it? Uh oh, I think I did. Uh, oh no, I didn't. No. no, here it is. There's Scroll like five. Okay. What led to the decline in play for Mac was what topic? What stood out on Mac's interception from last season? That was the Indianapolis Colts game. Um, how much did coaching contribute to his struggles? All the stuff we've heard before, but the one I think Nick and I kind of decided on, I think, was the best one to hear, is the Puffy Coat game. <laughs> the Puffy Coat Which game. Which is against Indianapolis, because he talks about this interception and how bad it was. My gosh. You can make that throw with your eyes closed. No doubt. And uh, he knows that. He didn't even want to look at that play. And, you know, because as quarterbacks, it'd be like a guy hitting it, you know, on the it's a TPC and, you know, and, and Ponte Vedra hitting it in the water three times. You know, you just don't want to look at it again. And, no. uh, but there was a reason. When you're falling back and you're, you know, you're a little beat up from a, maybe a sack earlier in the series or whatever, and you just throw a terrible throw and it'd be the one like, hey, man, how can I get that play back? Well, you can't. Mm-hmm. That might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, and then um, – and it was – and he can make that throw with his eyes closed. And for him, and he knows that. And I think at that point in time, I think he felt like the, the noose was so tied around his neck that he was choking to death. I really believe that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think I that mean, was – It all makes sense. That was – that kind of was the worst – I guess I guess if you can't explain it, like, what does he say? I don't think Matt can explain it. Like, hey, what was going through your head? Because that's what the coaches always say. What was going through your mind? He probably didn't have an answer. Well, I know that uh, in the piece in Mass Live, there was the mention that Mac might have been dinged up in the Germany game or something like that. So was he? I don't know if that something? had anything to do with I don't that. Know either. And his feet were all jacked up, so we couldn't throw. He threw a bunch of interceptions, and eight of them were like his feet were all messed up. This guy, uh, Joe Dickinson, who is the uh, quarterbacks coach, uh, this guy was hired to. Be the lead quarterback instructor at DeBartolo Sports University, which conducts private camps and private training all over the country. Since 07, over 1,100 quarterbacks have been trained by uh, Dickinson. And we're talking like uh, Troy Aikman, Patrick Ramsey, Gus Farratt, Josh Freeman, wow, Chase Daniel. Oh, no, this guy. His coaching career started at a high school in Oklahoma in 78. Jeez. He coordinated offenses at the uh, college level and stuff, was in Northern Illinois, was in Oklahoma for a while, was the OC for a year at Oklahoma, all that stuff. So this guy has a long history of working with so that, that's, a that's lot of important. So I think he, because uh, uh, he did, on one hand, he was defending Mac. To the point where he's got to take some ownership of it. Well, I think, and this guy's worked with Mac for like 14 years or whatever. Oh, this, really? This it's been dude that is, long? This dude is out of California, supposedly. Uh, yeah. Really? Uh, it's uh, it's interesting. You know what it is? It's a whole cottage industry out there. And you oh, know it as well. Quarterback as coach, absolutely. Hey, oh. you can't get a scholarship unless you work with me. You got to yep. grab a towel. 
Uh, you know, you got to flick the towel. One of my one of my former teammates, Chris Hickson, who played in the Arena League for a bunch of years, our quarterback when I was a URI, he was a, he and Trent Dilfer and a couple others created this thing called QBIQ. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. Josh Dobbs, they were telling you about like Josh Dobbs was camps. one of their. Absolutely, yeah. they do it all the time because to your point, you know, it's the the. It's the dad of the 16-year-old who's like, oh, I got to get him to college, so you got to send him to someone like that. And especially in the South, man, holy cow, there is mounds of money to be made down there. Well, I would say uh, this Southern California, that's like a hotbed for quarterbacks especially. West Coast and the South. There you go. Texas, Florida, the whole South region. It's all your major college recruiting hotbeds. Yep, there you go. It really is. Minus Pennsylvania. They grow linemen there. They used to grow quarterbacks in Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, they used to, right? They, it was like Marino. and. Well, uh, yeah, there was Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, yeah. Joe Namath, all that. I, I mean, think there that's was a. Yeah, but. What happened? But as of late, <laughs> it's been more about the Largos. You're getting uh, quality linemen out of yeah. uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio. And Grass some, fed. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Farm strength. <laughs> Depending on how you want to define that. Uh, coach in New Hampshire wants in on Mac. Hi, Coach. I do. Okay. Uh, my opinion is that Mac can't play. Now I just want to attack Bill for 40 seconds. Um, you guys use words like grudge holder, uh, silent treatment, player communication, very poor. Uh, you even use the word um, I'm vindictive. Let me take that vindictive to one level. He said in the last game he wanted to beat the Jets. He would do everything to prepare to beat the Jets. I could care less whether they won or not, but you can't tell me that he was trying to beat the Jets, making Mac the third-string emergency quarterback, knowing that if Zappi got hurt in a snowstorm, he was going to play a kid from Canada who knew about three plays. That is not trying to win the game, and that's the level of vindictiveness that this man has I am so glad he's gone. And, oh, by the way, those adjectives that you're using, why would you ever hire a man like that? Well, look, if it's uh, if it is his biggest flaw, it is something that can be worked on in theory uh, because he'd be walking into another situation. But Coach makes a really good point. You know, you, you don't turn around and say, we're doing what's best for the team and we're trying to win the game when if there would have been an injury at quarterback, it would have been – Whomever, you know, uh, Moose Knuckle, uh, Moose Knuckle Harrison. Moose from Knuckle. Up in, uh, I heard he's got he's CFL. got talent. Yeah, ML. Moose Knuckle. He goes by ML. <laughs> Is that his nickname? Or MK. <laughs> Moose Knuckle Harrison. <laughs> oh man, I uh, again, it will be interesting to see kind of what happens not only with Mac and the plan moving forward, and there's the coordinator hires. Zach Robinson said no. The dude down in Atlanta said no to the special teams job. So, good grief. When is that all going to get filled in? We'll talk to Tom Kern about that in 20 minutes, but your lunchtime parlay is next. You can watch the show anytime via our live stream on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash WEEI and check out WEEI on YouTube for our video on demand content updated daily. Now, more of Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. We were right there yesterday. Right oh, there. Oh, I know, I know, I know. So I had Nashville, Ottawa over six and a half. At the end of two periods, it was tied at three. 
Thank you very much. I'll take that. Really, the only thing left was would the Predators win or the Senators? And unfortunately, the Senators ended up winning. So we're right there a goal away from having that one. And then uh, you had Houston minus five against Texas, and they win by four. Yeah, I should have just money lined it. I don't know why it. I should have money lined it. Nah, it's all good. It's all good. This happens. Oh, uh, to have a crystal ball when you're betting games. And uh, the uh, Billy Lanny block party back at it once again, this time with Jason Tatum getting yep, yep. a uh, block last night. Uh, so uh, we were 2-2 two and two on the old Lunchtime Parlay, and the Lunchtime Parlay is presented by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and the official sportsbook of WEEI. All right, here we go. We're going to get back up on the horse. Once again here, we did have a hit in the month of January. Before those of you say, do you ever hit these? Yes, we did. <laughs> we have hit one, and we will hit more. Uh, I'm going to start for you. There has been, for the past couple of years, a uh, a betting trend that fits the game that I am picking tonight. And it is unranked home favorites against a ranked team. And that's what we have tonight in unranked Villanova, a one-and-a-half-point favorite welcoming in Marquette. Now, this is purely data-driven. Here's what the trend has shown. It comes in around 65 eh, 6%, something like that. It's been one of the ones that, you know, one of those, like, kind of uh, – it's been one of those uh, trends that are out there that a lot of people have jumped on. I'll be the first one to tell you, if Marquette knocks down some threes with Tyler Kowalik, Villanova's going to have some problems. But unranked home favorite against a ranked opponent fits. So I'm going to go Villanova minus the uh, one and a half. Billy Landy, what do you got there, friend? Another block party. Yeah, Billy's block <laughs> party. Here we go. Celtics hosting the paces. Give me Drew Holiday over a half a block. I like it. I like it. Chicken Nick, what do we got? Well, there's very limited hockey games to pick from, but one of the worst teams in hockey is playing tonight. Is that it's the San Jose Sharks. They are hosting the Kraken. Uh, I don't like the goal line. The Kraken. The Kraken. I don't like the goal line in this one. So give me the Kraken to win in 60 minutes, the 60-minute line for the Kraken tonight. You have to look for it, but you can find it. The 60-minute line, which means a win in regulation for the Kraken at minus 155. Uh Uh-huh. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to go cliche-ish. Oh, yeah, a gut feel here? No, or? no. I'm trying to feel like, you know, every time, you know, you look at these these bets and you're trying to, like, read up on them and, you know, why did, why do you think they're going to win? And, you know, I'm looking at the Lakers traveling to Atlanta. It's the second game of a back-to-back. You're looking at, you know, something like, uh, you know, Anthony Davis probably not playing because he kind of had a growing the other, the other night. You look at LeBron James possibly won't play because of a second night, a second game of a back-to-back, that whole thing. And it's not like Atlanta's like any, even any like great, right? They can lose to anybody. Um, but for now, my newfound hatred for the Lakers and everything that is LeBron James, I'm going to take uh, Atlanta over the Lakers. So in a way, it's a cliche. In a way, it's kind of a you know they're due in a gut. It's oh, like it's a, it's a trifecta. Oh God! It's actually four because they're huge favorites too. That's the Christian Fourier way. <laughs> Shh. Oh man! Why did you have to add that? Because Lakers giving you a hard time. <laughs> well, the uh, the Lakers are going to be in Boston on Thursday night. So Ooh, LeBron sits tonight, dibs. plays here Thursday. Dibs. You already calling it? No, no. I'm going to let Billy's going to have some sort of block party. So I'm going to let that. You can you can throw it no, in there. No, I'm going to ah. find something. Why don't we do a full like uh, full like uh, Lakers versus Celtics? 
same game parlay. Ooh, we might be able Let's to do that. Let's focus in on that. Fine. I mean, All that's right, that's then. old school hate. That's like that's real hatred right there. Limiting our odds, however, is we're it? Do you think it challenge. is? Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? Eh, I guess in you, a way, you can either have the whole card. Or just this game. All right, let's have the whole card. Because all I know is that all the bets that I made, I went back into the betting world <clears throat> on FanDuel and lost every single parlay I, I put I together. Bet, I went back yeah. into the betting I world. I did. I just went back in. I was like, oh, these are easy. A couple, like, you know, bonus bets here and there. Oh, it's the bonus bets. It That's is. It's what hooks you in. in. And there's always, like, one thing that trips me up. It's like... Four, like, what is the most you should do? Like, realistically. Realistically, you like, really should not be doing any parlays. I know, but they're we fun. Do it be, they're, they're fun. They're fun. It's and an, it's five bucks, it's ten bucks. That's the thing. It's an easy way for people to spend a little yeah. and win a lot. And now I'm paying would, attention to more yeah. aspects of the game instead of them just winning or losing. I would also, uh, for me, it would depend by sport. I'm normally comfortable in the three range if I'm trying to obviously hit a big one like I did, you know, in college basketball earlier this year, then, yeah, I'm going to load it up. But, you know, like when my kid and I will we'll sort of block off certain parts of a UFC card and try to have bets for in, in like three or four fight increments. So you're trying to spread it out over the whole card so you got a little action the whole way. Yeah, maybe 40, 50 bucks or Let whatever. me ask you. Is, is but it's uh, three and four leggers. Is, is this a good, like, philosophy with my bets using this, um, like, you know, thinking – uh, luck. I usually I'll usually do four, and the next one is probably is like a, a bet that I really need a lot of luck and everything needs to go right, but it gives me a lot more juice so I can win more. So I had a five dollar bet that I was going to win like six hundred bucks. If I follow up with this question, <laughs> how would you define luck in putting it together in betting? Uh, That's what I always tell people yeah. because you're not the first person to ask that. Luck is a pure intangible. Like, no, I know it is. No, I mean, that's the thing. Is You know you what it's like? You catching a ball off the defender's helmet. Yeah, and then yeah, he catches yeah. That, to me, is you, a lucky play, which yeah. probably isn't going to happen. You cannot predict those. So our parlay today, Villanova minus one and a half against Marquette. Drew Holiday with a block against the Pacers. The Kraken on the 60-minute line against the Sharks. And Atlanta minus 205 on the money line against the Lakers. Your 10 bucks, ladies and gentlemen, will win you $107.53. We'll make sure to get that out on social media. Gresh Fourier, W-E-E-I on Twitter. Gresh and Fourier, spell the A-N-D for us on Instagram. Tom Curran is next. Now, now, more Gresh and Fourier on W-E-E-I. And streaming on W-E-E-I.com. Time to talk some ball with our guy, Tom Curran. Of course, Tommy is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. And by Wise Snacks, and nobody does crunchy, salty, or cheesy better than Wise Snacks. Tom Curran on the Harbor One Hotline. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you? Hello, Andrew. Um... I want to know from you're you. Caught, you're always caught unawares at the beginning of this. It's like he doesn't know you're no, on. No, no, I he's do. Like he doesn't know. He's not expecting you. No, I'm trying to figure out which <laughs> question I want to lead with because I know there's a story about Mayo and the coordinators and he's not at the senior bowl and all that stuff. Tommy, I'm curious from your end, there was the dude in Atlanta who said no to the special teams job. Zach Robinson said no to the OC job. Have we now come crashing to earth that not only is this 
not a great job right now, but that you have to talk people into taking it. I'm just curious from your end, Tom, how you sort of view some of the people out there saying no to the Patriots at this point. I think each one is going to have, obviously, their own individual dynamics involved. For instance, a special teams coach who remained with the Falcons, remained with the Falcons, which certainly is a guy of four kids, I think Marquise Williams. So staying in place, someone made sense for him. But I do think, certainly, if you're looking at the Patriots' job, you're looking at the structure and trying to make heads or tails of, okay, what am I in charge of? What's our plan? Where's final say? There's a lot of things that would give an individual pause, I think, if they're looking at the landscape of what they're going into. For instance, offensively, you could look at it as a great opportunity. We have a third overall pick. We have a blank slate on offense. We have money to spend on offense. Um, We have a low bar set by the 2022 and 2023 teams. I can let my vision take root. But on the other hand, too, there is uncertainty that enters into this. So it, to me, depends upon the individual, and that's why I think it's very individually based as to do you want to do that or do you want to go someplace less, less risk, higher safety. So I'll actually use your your because you have a Twitter poll out right now at Tom Curran, and uh, the question revolves around the, the the offensive coordinator search and how slowly it's going, and and uh, how you and, and you're asking everybody to you know how are you feeling about the pace and the direction, and you got three options: it's fine, no sweat, it's getting urgent, and what the hell is going on? So which one did you answer? Which one was yours? Currently, yeah, no, up to the minute uh, poll results, forty two point four percent are answering, what the hell's going on? 34.2 are, it's fine and no sweat, and 23.4 is getting urgent. I think it's 23. I, I'm going to join that 23.4% and say it's, it's getting urgent. Senior Bowls this weekend. Combine is next month. Draft, excuse me, free agency is in 46 days, and the draft is in um, 86 days. So you need to have in place your plan, and how you're going to staff these positions. You have to figure out which, uh, you know, assistant coaches who are under contract you're going to keep aboard. You know, Adrian Clement, Billy Yates, they might be the most important assistant coaches on this team in 2023 if they both return as offensive line coaches because you have an entirely new offensive line that you potentially may have to staff or you have developing players who you have to, like Mafi and um, – City so who you have to develop. So all of these things need to hit the ground running with visions and plans and plans for the season. I'm sure they're not just sitting down there, you know, putting into one of those little office things. But oh, glass. They do <laughs> oh, glass. Little yeah, right. glass on the floor. <laughs> oh, my turn. My turn. So, <laughs> yeah. So you know, I I think that clarity um, on what you're going to do as opposed to the feeling that, you know, it's worth saying, okay, you extracted Bill, a plan needs to be in place as opposed to, okay, now what? Is there any chance that they look around on offense and are like, ah, man, it just isn't lining up? Is McDaniels in this at all, Tom? I would say that certainly 
a conversation should be had with McDaniels as to whether as he has this year where he is in limbo on the Raiders contract still, you know, would you consider coming back here in any role or capacity whatsoever? And I think that Josh would say, okay, well, what would my role be? Would I be an offensive analyst? Would I be your offensive coordinator? Would I be a quarterback consultant? What would you like from me? Because I think from Josh's perspective, too, if you bring him back, he has to understand specifically what his role is. Is he supposed to help Gerard and explain to him, here's some of these pitfalls that you want to avoid? And would Gerard want that? Or would Gerard say, I kind of want to chart my own course? What's their relationship like? So I think any way that Josh McDaniels returns would require a conversation that really spotlights, this is what we envision for you. Would you like to do that? Because when you look at the staff, Gresh, it's very new. Say Nick Cayley becomes the offensive coordinator. Well, he's been a tight ends coach. Has he ever directly worked with quarterbacks? Does Evan Rothstein, for instance, stay with the team? He's been kind of the quarterback's coach. Does he remain in that capacity? Or does he have enough experience to deal with you know, a top three pick who's going to have extreme expectations on him for quick development. I think all of those things, to me, hint that you, you probably should have somebody who understands the pitfalls, but is Josh the right person? Is it, I, I'm curious, though, you, when you have a guy like Josh with Daniels who was like the original chosen one, you feel like after turning down that job in Indianapolis and staying, I wonder if Mayo sees him or would see him as a threat if he's in the building. Sure, and I think that no, Josh would have liked to have stayed here in 2021. There was, you know, a curiosity on his part as to whether or not the Patriots would do anything to make sure that he stuck around for the latter portion of Bill's tenure here and whether he would be the person who succeeded Bill. Patriots didn't do that. Patriots let Josh go to Las Vegas. They instead opted for Gerard. So, are there hard feelings? Is there a snubbing? Is there a feeling of, well, see, you, maybe you should have kept me around, and now you want me to come back in? So I don't know that to be hmm. the case, but that's though. a dynamic that's, that's worth exploring, too. I mean, he wondered, will the Patriots do anything to ensure my staying here, or am I just going to go to Vegas? And he was happy to go to Vegas. No didn't work out, but it worked out financially. But, you know, that's certainly a dynamic to consider as well. Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston Aggression for you. He's with us each and every Tuesday at noon. Um, I know that we talked last week about the, hey, with some of Mayo's comments, he's sort of leading us to think quarterback at number three. There are people who have said no. There have been a lot of people in and out of the building. And, Tom, I don't think I've even asked you this question yet. Do you or have you been able to nail down what they're looking for in specific in an offensive coordinator? Is it a quarterback guy? Is it a scheme guy? Do they even know exactly sort of what characteristics they want in the guy in the next job? I'm sure that they do. I think right now, as it stands noontime on Tuesday, it feels like Nick Cayley is the leading candidate. So what does Nick Cayley bring to the table? We've known that he's a tight ends coach. I spoke in 2021 to Julian Edelman when we were out at the Super Bowl, and I said, what do you think of Nick Cayley? And this is when the Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, and there was 
indecisiveness as to who would be the coordinator. And Edelman said he'd be great. He'd be an excellent coordinator. I don't know what that's necessarily based on, but I would trust that Edelman would have a feel for it. But what is his vision for a quarterback? What is his vision for an offense? He went to the Rams. Does he come back with any kind of a Rams-flavored offensive vision, or is it the same vision that he kind of incorporated when he was here in New England? So I don't know what Kaylee would bring necessarily. I do think the Patriots want to make it, and they tried with Bill and, and Patricia and Judge, they tried to alter the offense to make it more simple tried to alter the running game. They tried to implement some of the wide zone concepts in the running game. Will they try and do that again? Do they have the personnel to do that again? So all of that stuff again, and that's why I put that poll out to me, they're not going to lay it all out on the table and say, this is what we're going to be doing on third and fives. And this is how we're going to set up in formation. And this is going to be our personnel, but you, you have to have kind of a working um mindset, which I don't know if we're going to see unveiled until we start seeing the personnel they bring bring in. So, Tom, I'm curious your thoughts on um, like the recent information leaked from multiple sources, I guess you could call it, regarding Mac Jones and how he, you know, uh, talked to a couple personnel people with the Jets and, and Zach Wilson and, you know, the lack of communication that happened at the end of the uh, end of the season towards him. I'm curious, like, you know, the more that comes out, like, the more you realize, like, how bad the situation was. But it seems, I don't know, I guess it feels like it's, uh, it's, it's like uh, somebody's been doing this on purpose to almost to save Mac Jones's career. I'm curious your thoughts. I had a 45 minute conversation with Joe Dickinson, who's been Mac's quarterback's coach um, since he was 11. And that's on the Patriots Talk podcast. I'm going to have a little bit of a on quick slants tonight. Yeah, I think it's a concerted effort to say, hey, here's Mac's side of things. And I specifically asked, you know, where did it go sideways? Because, you know, he's involved with Mac. What happened? And, you know, it's a long conversation. I recommend, you know, giving it a listen. You guys can sample it a little bit. But it basically came down to, you know, the lack of direction in 2022 and then the fraying of the relationship. So as, as I said to Joe, in the end, this wasn't about X's and O's and arm strength and reading defenses and getting your eyes in the right place. It ended up being more about relationships and the development of a player and Matt feeling as if he wasn't being developed and feeling as if he wasn't getting the coaching that he needed and then looking elsewhere and that being in Belichick's mind, a betrayal and certainly the on field histrionics that he engaged in, was specifically showing up, Bill. So in the end, you could have gone either way with that. You could have said, well, the kid's obviously frustrated. He's being a little bit of a baby, but it's in everyone's best interest to try and move forward. Or you say, F that guy, I'm going to do everything I can to make life difficult for him. And it seemed like the latter was chosen. So Mac Jones was definitely taught a lesson. Tommy, uh, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Your thoughts on some of the <laughs> narrative, quote-unquote, out there? I think, boy, if he gets this next Super Bowl, he's definitely, um, I would say, virtually equaled the first 10 years of Tom's career. He's got another decade to go. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the reality of it. 
The oh, reality is... I'm so with you. The way the guy he's played at 45 is being forgotten now, Tommy. Like, it, isn't it crazy how quickly we forget how great Tom Brady was in his 30s and 40s? It's insane. It, I mean, it is because, you know, and there's so much discrediting of Brady's performance in 01, 03, and 04. Um, and it's always defense-based. It was Corey Dillon. It was, uh, you know, everybody but Tom Brady. And... You can make that claim about the 20, 2001 team to a large extent, but you also have to remember there were games there in 2001, 2003, 2004, where he had the team on his back and delivered in the, the biggest moments, the way Mahomes does. And when you give him in 2007, and I know the game's changed, but in 2007 they actually gave him toys, and he goes out and sets the friggin' record for touchdown passes, and the team goes undefeated in the regular season and scores 75 touchdowns. So – it was the greatest offense in NFL history at that juncture. And he did all that in the first 10 years. So Mahomes is unbelievable. And he is close to equaling. He's halfway to Tom Brady. In other words, Hmm. I like it. That is the right kind of analysis. I'm going to go vote on your, uh, on your real quick. I'm going to go vote. You're going to go vote on Tom's poll. I'm going to go vote on his poll. All right, then it's a little poll though. So it's easy. What the hell's going on? is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tommy, thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. We'll catch you soon. Thank you. All right, guys. Take Thanks, care. buddy. There we go. Uh, I it, Oh, man. I know I've been hard on Mayo and this whole OC search thing, but they have another problem that they've created because this thing has taken forever. We always hear about how coaches want to get in the door as early as possible, right? Because they go hire their assistants. We can't even figure out who's running the effing offense. And you mean to tell me that Ham Hands Harry could be named the OC on Friday and he's going to be able to turn around and find an offensive line coach, a wide receiver coach, a quarterback coach, without it being some of the people that are here? We're running up against the clock to where you're either going to get an offensive coordinator who's going to go pluck the assistant offensive line coach or the Billy Yates of other organizations, or you have to sell an offensive coordinator on, well, you're going to have Troy Brown and Adrian Clem and -and so-and-so. That all doesn't correlate and add up. No, it doesn't work at all. And the other thing that stood out to me was a little nugget on Josh McDaniels. Like It's almost like now you know why he's not even – not that he's not being considered. He may just be like, you know. It might be a him thing, not a them yeah. thing. Now, back to the guys. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. We'll call plays next year. We have no freaking idea. And you know what, Fourier? The more I think about coming off that Tom Kern conversation, the more I, I keep landing on... One of two things. I just don't know how they would fill out the rest of the staff in terms of O-line coach, wide receiver coach, unless somebody is coming in to be the offensive coordinator where they know there's a lot of young assistants who know what they want to teach, right? Nick Cayley hasn't thought that far. If Gerard Mayo had it written in his freaking contract, 
he was going to be the next guy. And he didn't have a plan. How in the world are they going to, unless it is either Nick Cayley walking in and saying, okay, I've dealt with these guys, most of these guys before, I can keep this staff. I said this to you in the off-air show. Adrian Clem also, off, also you know, uh, interviewed for the offensive coordinator job. Now, maybe you could look at it and say it was a sham or whatever, but still, if Clem is around and Josh McDaniels walked through the door, a vested, veteran, proven offensive coordinator who would know how to deal with a staff of assistants that were kind of pushed on him, let's say, or given to him, versus the way Clem might react if he hears his boss is going to be the guy who the organization let go to just go be whatever it is, a a random position coach with the Rams, and then that guy's going to be like, I have to take my orders from you. I interviewed for this friggin' job too. Have Billy Yates, see you later type thing. This, uh, like Curran's question, nah, we are at, we're near panic status. Because, and and, uh, the more I've been hammering you with this, I know it's crazy, some would say, but it makes sense because how many, what, what assistants are left out there? 20, Arthur Smith just got named the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. What's he going to do? Let me try to find as many guys from Tennessee that maybe I coached with as possible to be able to try to get some of those dudes in there. I just don't see how all of this is going to work, man. I know. And, uh. I'm just thinking as you're talking about Nick Cayley calling plays, like, okay, is he stealing his playbook from, you know, the Rams? And is he kind of merging it with the Patriots? And and if he takes the offense from the Rams and and he's forced to keep all the assistant coaches that are already there, he has to teach that offense to them. Thank you. And I can't tell you, like, I always use, like, you know, the uh, the Redskins uh, as my example because Al Saunders comes in and Joe Gibbs his entire staff is there because he brought all his guys there and he didn't want he wasn't going to fire anybody but he but he wanted a new offensive coordinator mm-hmm. so he brought in Al Saunders to teach this high level very complex I mean very the most challenging offense I ever had to learn so many motions and shifts before they even snapped the ball it was so challenging it was stupid. It was meaningless, to be honest with you. It was the Vermeil offense, basically, right? Kind of. A version of it, but they had switched it. They had tinkered with it in Kansas City. They had mastered it, and then they brought sure. it to, uh, you know, Washington. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is – and he's trying to teach all these old-timers this offense. And nobody get got it. Nobody understood it. The players hated it, and Gibbs just said, we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> he literally oh said, my God. we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> Is that crazy? We're going to go back to put the tight end on the right side. We're going to go right four. Yeah, yeah. Then I want want to take the other tight end. I want you to motion him across. I want you to be like a whole combo block and just everybody go. Just, well, what if the guy, don't worry about it. Just go that way. What about the back? Well, he's going to make one guy miss, and he's going to cut back and go. (laughs) Like that was, it was so dumbed down. By that time I was hurt, I didn't care. But, again, I'm going back the, the, the practical, smart, safe play, forget about I want to chart my own course. Dude, you want to be successful on your mission. Bingo. You don't want to go crashing into the rocks because your offense is learning on the fly because nobody's getting along. They all have their own collaborative ideas and they're not being heard. 
and now the O-line coach thinks that the receivers coach is screwing up and the backs coach thinks that the tight ends aren't doing their job and the offensive coordinator is trying to keep make everybody happy and just trying to call the right plays on time. And at the same time, your head coach is not really sure about what type of play he wants to run because the clock is running too fast, mm. and now he's freaking out, and he calls a timeout that he doesn't have. Oh, boy. All these are part of the plan. So I'll even use, uh, let's use Dan Campbell as an example. Okay. Okay. His first year was horrible. His second year started off, they were like 1-7, 1-6. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Here we go again. Unbelievable ending of his second year. Third year, they're on their way. They're on their way. That guy was an interim coach with the Miami Dolphins. He was an assistant head coach for the New Orleans Saints. He was primed. He was ready. He had his own philosophy, and he wanted to chart his own course. He wanted to do things his way. It worked. It flat out worked. He, I, he's the exception to the rule. Very much so. As we've I mean, noted, D'Amico Ryan with the Houston Texans, exception, exception to, to the rule. Normally, seventy percent of the first year guys are yeah. flaming out. So I, I give I give the Detroit Lions credit for sticking with them because that, when they were like one and six or one and seven, like remember they lost here last year and Dan Campbell was like crying in the post game press yeah. conference almost. He's just way too emotional and he's he's too reckless and he's too stuck in his ways. But it worked. Again, he probably lost them a chance of going to the Super Bowl by being too committed to his own stupid philosophy, but whatever. But the fact that we're even uttering that the Lions could have been seven and a half minutes from the Super Bowl is kind of amazing unto itself. Yeah, so the the uh, the uh, this is just feels like it's going to be a real... I almost feel like the, the, the crafts are like, we're willing to wait for him to learn as we go. We're, when we, you see your players give all that they have uh, and you lose that way, it's tough. Listen, he, the players love him because he's he's emotional, right? Uh, but I do I feel like just... there's an aspect. So the Josh McDaniels, so Josh McDaniels, Gresh won't even. This is my yeah. With with the addition of what uh, Current said, like it feels like he's just uh, either he's a... holding a grudge. He has too much money coming to him from the Raiders. Where why bother with a assistant analyst role? Uh, is there the, hey, I'll go sit for a year, I'll collect the money from the Raiders, and when Bill gets back in in 25, then I... What do you think he's making? Like The Raiders still owe him money. They probably still owe Gruden money. No, I think uh, I think Josh McDaniels gets six mil or something this year, or something like that. It might even be a little more than that. So that on- check comes in, you're like, do oh, I yeah. really want to roll in on a Monday morning and start breaking down film for Nick Cayley, who I know, who I know I'm better than? And, you know, the other thing, too, is, is has Josh McDaniels proven enough with quarterbacks to be considered one of these guys that you can 100% trust him in turning your guy over to him. I would think he should get just as much credit as as Zach Robinson as uh Yeah, right. of uh who are the other ones all the all the hot names. People uh, pop ben rods Johnson, over these guys who have done nothing, right? Yeah, Ben Johnson from the Good luck coaching a team without all that talent that you have. Good luck. Listen, I, I hope it works out. Well, Ben Johnson might get the Eric rude enemy. Eric B. Enemy. Well, there you suddenly go. Suddenly he just, he's a, he was, he was the talk of the town after the first two games of the season. Yep. Sam Howell, like, look at this guy. He's, he's a gunslinger. You know, suddenly it's like, you know, his coach is fired. He's probably out. Uh, Nick just told me McDaniels has four years left at around 10 million a year. 
I am raising my kids and going to their basketball and all their sporting <laughs> events. I am I am going I am taking a long summer vacation into August. Because that's when your life is really over. I'm going in I'm going to Italy into August. There's always the date circled on the calendar of when you got to report to camp, right? Oh, yeah. Yep, so you're your... like, once July 4th hits, your life is over. If you're a coach, oh, I, I think a guy like Joshua Daniels, like, what's it worth? Like, take a year off. Take a year off. Enjoy yourself. You know, hang out with your kids. Take a long break. You know, build build a summer home always, somewhere. All, buy a boat. Yeah, you know what? He can be He can be a consultant. Hey, send me your game film. I'll break down three games and tell you what I think, and you can send me a check for, you know, five grand or whatever I would say there's so many other, like, I'm sure he mentally wants to stay in it because I don't see guys like that ever, like, getting out of the game unless they go into TV. Unless they're so, and like, Josh is not doing I that. don't think he's no. got that. Or, like, you know, radio or, hey, well, why don't we have, it on, have him on here? Wonderful, come on with us. Hey, hey, break down this uh, this play from your from Nick Cayley. Hey, listen, be critical of Nick Cayley. We got to find our new guy to try that idea. <laughs> it didn't work last year. No, it didn't. <laughs> we had a good four week run. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. So there's the very latest on the uh, Patriots hunt for a offensive coordinator. And speaking of OCs, Troy Brown will be the offensive coordinator of the American team at the Senior Bowl and the two quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl who are the most interesting going in are unfortunately not going to be coached by offensive coordinator Troy Brown. So who does he have? Rattler? Uh, hold Spencer, on. Spencer Rattler. I think it's uh, – hang on. I just looked this up the other day. Let me get 2024 Senior Bowl. Why would I put Bo Nix and, and uh, Michael Penix, Penix on together? the same team? Like, they're completely – they should put them at odds. So – or maybe they did it on purpose so they could have a better chance to evaluate them. The American team quarterbacks are uh, Spencer Rattler, Michael Pratt, and Joe Milton. Do you Joe, know who Joe Milton? Joe Milton's been in the league a lot. Didn't he blow his knee out for like UCF, and then he went to Oklahoma? It was uh, right. He's Tennessee's quarterback. Who's Joe the guy Milton. I'm thinking of. You're thinking of uh, Dylan Gabriel. Or the guy who went I to Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's or the you, guy I'm or thinking no, of. Oh, no. He, you're like, thinking, blew his... No, no, no. You're, you're thinking of uh, of uh, Mackenzie Milton? Something like that. The yeah, guy, the kid yeah, from yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. at UCF. And then yes, that's the guy. He ended up at Florida State or whatever. Yep, he had like a terrible, terrible injury. What is really interesting to me about Joe Milton, and the only reason why I mention it, because it is the team that, that Troy Brown will be coaching down there. Um, they did the uh, the weigh-ins and stuff yesterday. Joe Milton came in at six foot five, Ooh. 235, Jeez. with a hand size of ten and three eighths, along with a uh, thirty-three and a half, a thirty-three and an eighth in terms of arm, uh, and eighty and five eighths on a wingspan. The only reason I bring it up Six, is because five two thirty five. You're thinking the same Jeez. thing I am. Is that that is a guy that when you look at height, weight, measurables, position that he plays, to me, Joe Milton is an intriguing prospect. Not that that's going to be. Hey, here's our number three pick in the draft. Don't get me wrong, y'all. But when you see, because so, I'm looking at these other other quarterbacks that are mixed in here, right? Like Penix came in at at six two. 216 hand size nine 
Little hands. Hate to say it, but it's going to work against Penix. Little hands. You know, we've been through that before. Um, what about Bo Nix? My gotta, apologies. My apologies. I screwed that up. That was Michael Pratt had the nine. Okay. Penix had 10 and 3 eights. Okay, there you go. But he was also 6'2", 212. Bo Nix, 6'1". Six oh one seven. So that's what six foot one and is that seven eighths or something like that? Or why do they do it like? I know I don't think two eighteen hand with nine seven eight arm length. Isn't this crazy? So we're literally looking at this like uh, this guy was such. All these guys were so successful in college, and suddenly um, your draft positioning will be predicated on an inch and a half, two inches of height. Could be for some. Yeah. Or hand size, you know, ability to sort of, uh, you know. Do you I was curious, what would you look at not? if you, um, I would sit there and go, well, you know, I would be committed to like all those stats for the, you know, for at least the most part. But in the end, I would literally just, I really feel like the most important thing is just their tape. Well, at the end of the day, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. So yeah. don't kind of talk to yourself. If if measurables are bothering you, then go put on the tape. That's the old scout's credo. What's the tape say? Yeah, and ultimately, like, I would just try to find the most competitive guy I could find who wasn't a dink. Well, there is that. And I'll tell you what, this group of uh, wide receivers here at the uh, at the Senior Bowl, uh, you have uh, Lad McConkey is in there. You've got Luke McCaffrey in there. Oh, Rice. Um, yeah, there's, Georgia. Uh, yeah, there's uh, all McCaffrey's kinds. another McCaffrey coming into well, the league. You know what's interesting is is that uh, I saw somebody who was putting together their top fifty list, and it was one of these draft guys, like a good one, not you know a fly by nighter. And in their top fifty, there were. 11 wide receivers and 11 offensive linemen. That seems really heavy for two positions to be in what would be just a top 50 overall list of prospects. I was just reading through Daniel Jeremiah's, and in his top 20, he had like 10 offensive linemen. There you go. Yeah, this is, this is a, and, and the, now my theory on wide receivers is, is that in the NFL now, there's going to be so many of them coming in that, I think unless you have to be as good as Marvin Harrison is to kind of be a top five guy. Like you look at Marvin Harrison, you're like, okay, all these other guys are pretty good. That guy's different. And you could point out the reasons why. But otherwise, I think there are going to be many more teams, third, fourth, fifth round, just soda machine theory. I'm going to press a button. Here comes another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Press some buttons and here they come. Draft four, hope you get two type thing. And no, I'm not saying that there isn't room in the first round because, again, it's team needs. But I think in terms of sort of the way some things are going in college football, there will be a bigger emphasis put on the linemen than the wide receivers because I think a lot of teams will say, yeah, in the second round, like if it's Marvin Harrison, it's one thing. But otherwise, a lot of these dudes are all really similar. Yeah, and and the Marvin Harrison thing is uh, starting to kind of – you know, sit with me a little bit better because I think if if you if I told you that um, Marvin Harrison would be Jamar Chase like right away, he gets in the league and he is unstoppable. Uh, and you and he, no matter what you throw him, he catches. He's just fast. He, I mean, he's Jamar Chase right from the day right from day one. He's Jamar Chase. I don't know how you could skip him. I well, don't know how you could pass him up. Right, because he is the truest version of. 
plug and play, probably gives you t- minus injury, 1200 yards. Yeah. And, but we're talking high level plug and play, not plug oh, yeah. and play. You're a good, you're a good football player. You'll have a 10 year career, but you're a plug and play hall of famer, not hall of fame, but even like all pro candidate, rookie of the year candidate, but always in the top three to four of every wide receiver, even though you're only on year one or two. Did you feel like when you walked into the league, you were like ready to go the way you and I look at Harrison and say, Oh no, this guy. He's ready to go right away and go play at a high level. Like, uh, is that is that easy to see? Because I think it's really only tied into about half of the first round. Like, I'm big on Alt and Fashanu. I think those guys, they start from day one on somebody's offensive line. But I don't know if that is for everybody. Where, where do you kind of um, land on that? Where you Christian can... Fourier. Does it run tremendously? Like well, I started my, at... first, my second game. Right. And and I started until I got hurt. But, but even you look at Harrison and say, oh, he's ready now for a big role. It is funny. It's just like you can just tell how just, I don't know, mature they are. I'll call it that. They're just so mature. It's a great word. Their strength. Nothing's like, like I always think about like, what's the difference between a guy that goes to a low level, level school and, and a high level school? Like if you put, if you took away the jerseys, and you took away the the background of the stadium and whatever the circumstances were, and one guy ran a, a go route and two guys and both guys and they're both catching and they're both strong. Like what what does it matter? Like those guys can run those routes and catch those passes and run after the catch. So it doesn't matter where you go to school. It, you know they get a little bit more credit because they're going against better competition. So there's more of a sure thing as opposed to the guy that's at a lower school. You know, but and that's why I sit there and go. You will find there will be a Marvin Harrison type. Uh, I'm on St. Brown. There will be a ton of badass wide receivers that nobody's thinking of, and they will end up dominating in the league. They'll be in the right offense. They have good hand-eye coordination. Like well, Nakua this year. What they have, Puka like, Nakua yeah. is a perfect example. It's insane. The dude is like, uh, I and mean. Who tore it up at the Senior Bowl last year, by the way, did Nakua. Because I think he was kind of coming off of injury or whatever it was. He and, was riddled with injury. Yeah, yeah, and, and then and he and he ended up having a you know one a, a a decent showing down in Mobile, and he turned himself into a you know what day three draft. Pick. And he and, was in the perfect offense, right for his skill set. It's almost like you forgot Cooper Cup even existed. He didn't have to come in to be the number one right yeah. away, and that's about the only drawback for Marvin Harrison. But then again, he's ready for that. I would agree. He's ready to be a, a top-flight guy. Uh, oh, and one other note. Uh, reports are that uh, Kirk Cousins wants two years, $90 million guaranteed. Yeah. that Those days have passed him by. I, he's not getting it. I kind of think so. He's not I'm, getting He's it. not getting the fully guaranteed not anymore. Not a chance no. in hell. I wouldn't think so. Unless no Minnesota just bites. Yeah, possibly. And they're but like, oh, we'll keep you here. We've always done it this way. Blah, blah, no blah, way blah, he's whatever. getting that. I'm I'm kind of with you uh, on that. Um, He'll get close, though. A lot of people think that steroids are bad. They've tried to take him out of the Olympics. They've tried to take him out of the NFL and other sports. But maybe we just need a league dedicated to those who want to jam a needle in their ass. <laughs> the lighter side of sports is next. Time now for The Lighter Side of Sports. Brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss on Gresham Fourier. Time for The 
other side of sports, sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. When it's time to do a 180 with your weight, call Awaken 180 Weight Loss or just book your consultation online, awaken180weightloss.com. Um, you know, billionaires are always looking to do something different, Foyer, and uh, billionaire Peter Thiel has invested in a sports league, and I want everybody in on this because having uh, known Billy Landy at a prior station, we've actually had conversations about this, and it does tie into Manny Ramirez as well. But anyway, billionaire Peter Thiel has invested in a sports league where steroids are legal for you. It is <laughs> it is called the Enhanced Games. Okay? So the Enhanced Games is organizing an alternative to the, and this is their words, by the way, to the corrupt Olympic Games, which they are. We believe that science makes humanity and sports better and fairer sports without drug testing. So, as wait, I, we believe please. that it's better and fair when nobody's monitoring if we're cheating or not. That's right. Yeah. Right. Everybody can All do right. whatever in the world yeah, they want. Do whatever right? you want. Doesn't matter. Billy, was baseball not better with Roids and Manny driving the ball 500 yeah. feet? Yeah, and the only people that'll tell you that are the stubborn baseball writers that vote for the Hall of Fame. Exactly right. Otherwise, the game was better, the Roids were better. And now... The Roids saved the sport. Uh, very much so. That and Cal Ripken's streak. Well, don't get into the details on that, Kevin Costner. Anyway, <laughs> rumors... Could have also been steroids, too. That's true. Could have also been uh, Roids as, as right. So, the Enhanced Games is a planned international sports event where athletes will not be subject to drug testing, uh, headed by an Australian businessman, Aaron D'Souza. He's another guy who's in on this. It is meant to take place in December of 2024. Now, this is on their own Wikipedia page, by the way. The next line is, reactions from the sporting world have been generally negative. <laughs> so, I guess we ask, like, big deal, no big deal. Yeah. The fact that we're going to have a games where if you want to be dirty, you can be dirty. Like, is that yeah. is that so bad considering... Now, the reason I sort of push back on the whole people who are like, ah, this sucks. We are never more educated than ever before when it comes to this stuff. Listen, let's just be real. We're not going to talk about whether people used it or whatnot, but I would dare say this. In 1992 and in 1994, you didn't, you barely knew about Andro, which was like this, oh, Mark McGuire is on a steroid precursor. By God, well, what does that mean? Let's look up and see exactly what it means and da-da-da, right? But it's not the days where, like, when you and I would have been in the formative years and be like, how do we get bigger? Well, let's just jam the needle of <laughs> synthetic steroids in us where your tendons don't grow and stuff like that. We have old people on HGH at a moderate level, and it's helping them live We've had guys in the NFL. Listen, I'll never begrudge Julian Edelman for getting a four-game suspension on rehabbing his knee. He was over 30 with a bum ACL. Roid your ass off. Take a four-game suspension. Nobody will think twice about it. Like, we've turned it into that it's like the days of the 80s where it's horse tranquilizers yeah. or whatever, right? DMSL that you're ingesting. We know more than ever now. We can safely prescribe a low-level steroid for somebody that might want to get on it for whatever reason. I personally 
feel, especially when it comes to rehabilitation, it should be allowed. When it comes to knee rehab, back rehab, shoulder, all this stuff, you will re- – now, once you're healed, you got to get off of it, okay? But I 1,000% think that there's a version of, like, uh, uh, enhancement drugs, HEH, steroids, and there's a bunch of them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, should be allowed – for especially for professional athletes, when it comes to rehabbing injuries, like I made the joke about Edelman, but it really is true. And they all, they have all. Listen, Rodney Harrison got caught. Yep. Rob Nikovich got caught. Uh, Julian Edelman got caught. I mean, now these are guys, and they all fit the same like kind of like criteria: older athletes, limited time to to benefit from their earning potential, mm-hmm. right? And trying to you know prove people wrong. Like, who the hell knows? Maybe Adrian Peterson when he blew out, isn't he? Maybe he did something. Who the hell knows? Or he's just the one freak. When it comes to this, to this, like no big deal at all. Thank God somebody's finally doing it. I am with you. I'm all about it. Here's the thing, though. You're gonna get like lower end athletes taking steroids, so the numbers and stuff will be better for them. But overall, you really want the highest, highest elevated athletes doing these things because those numbers, because like you know, real athletes are not, you know, they're not doing this. They're just not because they, they were well, not allowed to. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Or they're really good at covering it up. Like, do I think Olympic athletes are dirty? Mm, yeah, a lot of them are. And a lot of them are pretty good at hiding do it. Do I think the Tour de France is filled with dopers? Oh. No. Uh, the cleanest sport in the history of sports. Well, that's the thing, right? So if they're going to do the enhanced games. Is is Lance Armstrong, by the way, the face was, of this? No, but I was going to say, who would need to be the faces of it? <laughs> be like, Lance Armstrong. Like Billy. Like, there'd be Lance Armstrong would be one. Uh, Barry Bonds was told mm. he did stuff. I was also told by baseball writers 15 years ago he would go to jail. He never went to jail. It's going to be somebody who has, like, proven failed tests. Rafael Palmero. Oh. Like, Barry, Bell, Barry Bonds signing the book that he went into Belco doesn't Doesn't. Uh, right. But if you did, Rafael Palmero could be one. Jose that Can- was B12. Jose Canseco would be one. <laughs> a vitamin B12 shot. So it would That's be. That's what it was with Palmero. It was a B12 so, shot. Uh, so who would be, not like a Mount Rushmore, but it would be, here are the representatives from the enhancement McGuire. games. Well, again, he never technically failed Alex anything. Rodriguez. Oh. I mean, talk about, he got caught red-handed. Like Manny failed multiple tests. Manny failed. Manny could be in there. A-Rod's a good Ortiz. one. Because you want big names. No, he's still looking for the person that made he's still him looking. Him and, him and OJ? He wasn't supposed to come out on the Mitchell Report. That's right. Yeah. Has Major League Baseball bent over backwards enough for him on that, too? Like, didn't they, though, oh, we're going to come and have a press conference. We're going to we're gonna send the investigative Gestapos out there. Fifteen years later, nobody knows-ish. Like, it's better just to let it die on its own instead of, like, keep bringing it back up. Yeah, but every so, time, but every single time there's some sort of, like, you know, Hall of Fame voting, it's it's always kind of pops up. And I'm with Billy. Like, the sport was better when they were letting them cheat. And they, were, they knew it was happening until somebody said, this isn't right. What about the Hall of Fame? Mm-hmm. What about... All those those grades before their records will and be it's exactly tainted. why people complain every time the Hall of Fame ballot comes out, yep. no matter who it is. I hate the Hall of as, Fame. As, there you go. I hate it. Well, uh, I think the it's reaction who we're stuck with these are the players we're stuck with. It's we have to. Not that Adrian Beltre isn't a Hall of Famer, but now it's you know people are going to complain about it because it's not Manny, it's not A Rod, it's not Bonds, it's not Clemens. But so this is who was just was stuck with to have to accept as Hall of Famous. We have to look at the eras for what they are. And there was a time in baseball where they were juicing their nards off. And we all loved it. 
Six if, one. If that, I was going to say, I yeah. know, if you were going to do that, go back into the 70s for football. And here's the thing. and the, Football and steroids, to your point about Edelman and all the other guys, yeah. nobody gives a crap nope. about whether or not you were suspended four games for doing steroids or some creating taking some sort of cocktail. Nobody cares. It's like they kind of almost expect it. And if you okay, no big deal. Okay. Or are we going to be yelling? I can't tell you how many times guys have gotten caught red-handed. And it's like, oh, crap. It's a, You're a little shamed at first, but then you're like, what do you want me to do, dude? Like being chased down by 500-pound dudes. Well, hell, in the 70s, uh, they had greenies all the time. Exactly. And when it's you the 70s, look at the and 90s you, and 2000s. And, and when you look at performance enhancers, like, yeah, well, because I, I use the 70s, Christian, because people are like, Look at Henry Aaron. He never did anything like that. No. Those guys walked in at 2 in the afternoon after drinking all night, popped a couple of greenies, and went out there and sucked dingers. I've told you this before, and Lou can back me up on this based on the availability of like not only like you know not, anti-inflammatory drugs, you name it, high-end opioids, you name it. Like a like a like a like a big jar of uh, you know gummy bears that you would see at somebody's house like, like during gra- Halloween. Grandma's you, candy bowl. You just without the lid, no lid, no lid. You just hand in. You stick Boom. them in your pocket. You leave, and, and you forget which ones in which pocket. Which one? Which which I put in my right? Did I put the anti? Did I put the who? <laughs> I'm just gonna just I'm just gonna crush them all up and snort them. When Lou put that uh, <laughs> when Lou put his old jersey back on, I wonder if in the pockets there there was like a, a hidden green or something like that. Maybe like a hidden like little zipper yeah. private compa- <laughs> compartment. Oh uh, man, we got Jerry and Robin on the line. We've talked a lot about Brady today. We talked a lot about the Patriots and of course their search for coordinators and what in the world's going to go on at OC and the Celtics. Winners last night, playing tonight, then the Lakers on Thursday. Big week for the Seas. We'll get back to them in the football next. No matter where you work from these days, take Gresh and Fourier with you on the Odyssey app. Favorite WEI. Nick, did you uh, roll with this coming out of our uh, last segment? You know, go to the doctor, doctor, feel good. Hey, oh, stick something in you and make you feel better. It usually works for me. I mean, 105 Gresham Fourier. How are you? Celtics are, uh, or were, winners, excuse me, uh, against the Pelicans last night. 118, 112. Not exactly the smoothest performance, top no. to bottom. From the uh, Celtics, Derek White, 5 of 5 in the fourth quarter uh, with three threes. He had a 13 point fourth quarter. Jason Tatum was great late. And uh, it was the fifth time this season that the Celtics had overcome a double-digit deficit to win at home this year. They were down 17. They came back from 21 down against Detroit, 15 against Cleveland, 13 against Miami, and then 10 against Orlando. Uh, But for me, Christian, it was something that Joe Mazzulla said after the game that, to me, I think really stood out is uh, are his Celtics kind of feeling themselves a little too much? I just hope it happens 10, 12 more times so we can get rid of the entitlement that we're always supposed to be winning. So I hope we have to blow leads. I hope all that happens. I really do. And so, like, that's what I think. I think it's just, like, at times we're just supposed to be winning all the time. And it's just not the case. So we have to stay the course. Sometimes you can be losing because you're playing good basketball. It's just not the, the result isn't being achieved. 
and like you could be losing because you suck. Uh, I thought we sucked in the first quarter. I thought we were losing because uh, the result in the second quarter was a difference there. Like, and so we just have to continue to play. It's really important. I love the fact that he's just like not trying to be eloquent about his, uh, you know, with his words, right? Like, let me let me give a real cool, established, you know, hoity-toity word for instead of saying sucked. I love the fact he's like, listen, you guys sucked. I feel like that should be used more often I than thought, not. Uh, you you know, be losing because you suck. I thought, uh, I thought we sucked in the first quarter. They sucked. I, he could have said, "Yeah, we had a difficult first quarter." Yeah, yeah. He'd difficult. be real polite. He could have yeah. been real polite about yeah, it. And, you know, yeah. he did challenging. Uh, you know, challenging, uh, you difficult. Know, wasn't really, you know, what we were looking for. Oh, that's a good one you too. Know? Yeah. So, but he's like, you know what? Thank God. Like, because I would say most players kind of respect that more than anything. And he's right about the entitlement. I think the other word would be complacency. That's the one thing because eventually, if you are so busy smelling your own farts and like really appreciating them, eventually you're going to come up against a team that is built a little bit different, surprises everybody, and are not. And now maybe they maybe the 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 deficit is too much to overcome, and maybe it's not a you know down 15 points, but maybe you're down two games. In a playoff series, Ooh. that's where you really want to sit there and go, okay, life lesson. Guys, I hope it happens a lot because you can't take these teams for granted. And even Jason Tatum, I thought he said something really wise too. And, you know, as far as like, listen, all these teams are looking at us as a almost like a way to validate ourselves. Mm-hmm. Hey, target on their backs. Everybody's hunting for you. And you're playing in Boston. It's like, what a better... What a better experience. What a what a better reason to have bragging rights. We went into your house when you were playing really good and we beat you. Totally agree. And uh, Zion Williamson did everything he could to make that happen last night. It was one of his better games of the year. He played great. Uh, but he's a bit of a clunky dude. But afterwards, he was like, hey, the buzz and the energy here. I don't know what it is like for an NBA game in New Orleans. The only thing I can see people getting jacked up about in New Orleans is Mardi Gras are going drinking. Yeah, yeah. Not uh, like so. I don't know. All the other conventions that are going on there. Well, yeah, like because that city's like Vegas. And on a random Wednesday night, are you gonna have a great crowd when you know the the uh, magic come into town or something like that? Or you know what? Like I think is like the worst basketball environment. Please, Miami. Why? They show up a quarter late mm. to start, and then so they show up in the second quarter, and they don't come, and then they're there, and then they don't come back till the start of the fourth. Well, with LeBron, when he was there, that place would kind of fill up early, and there were you know uh, like descendants of the Kennedy family. Yeah, but there. I would even say now, even, even now people don't show up because Miami isn't good. Miami yeah, but even is when they were in L.A. like, which is but L.A. but they don't do that. L.A. crowds, Staples Center, different set of fans. Die, L.A. Laker fans are just as diehard as Celtics fans. They're just as you know psychotic about their team. Same with the Dodgers. But Miami is just more of a. I don't know what it is. I don't ever see the Staples Center like that. Somebody, a games are. Give me another crappy team that the Celtics had played against. Maybe Detroit. 
Where like, there was like it really felt like a preseason oh, well. game in like the Bahamas. Yeah, no, where only friends and family were there. They're playing it in that small makeshift <laughs> yeah. uh, building in Atlantis you know, with like four thousand yeah. people. The ceiling's in there. really low. Exactly. It's yeah, like it looks the lighting weird. is horrible. You're like, what is going on here? There's nobody here. Or like the Maui Classic Invitational or something like that Ooh, for college kids. I would love to cover that. That'd be so fantastic. would I. Yeah, Sport be... the uh, Aloha shirt. You know, really, really get into the roots of the environment. Well, the athletic has a bit of a uh, running sort of uh, column working right now because we're 10 days away and a great job by who, uh, somebody pointed it out in the uh, Twitch chat and I saw it. So good job by them. I forgot who it was, but well done. February 8th is the deadline. And uh, in this sort of running column they have on the athletic Christian, here is uh, what Jay King, who covers the Celtics for the athletic said, what do the Celts need at the trade deadline? Another playoff option at wing. Your guy, Sam Hauser, my God, what's going to happen? Well, he's so, not going anywhere. He wrote, realistically, the Celtics don't need much at the deadline. As long as they're healthy, their top six players will handle the vast majority of playoff minutes. Still, they should look for one more option on the wing. Behind Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, the Celtics have Sam Hauser and a bunch of question marks at the position. O'Shea Brissett has contributed recently with his energy, but Brad Stevens should be on the lookout for more depth at that spot just in case his team I'm on, ends I'm up with needing you. it. Just in case. Sure. Um, that's the TPE, right, that we're talking about, right? Uh, it's like uh, six-something million or something like that. They have a trade player exception to be able to use. I'm not being a fatalist here. I'm kind of going into the trade deadline or at least these next 10 days thinking that if the Celtics get lucky, they will be able to make a move because there's not a ton of roster flexibility right now. They're already into that second apron. So whomever, and I'm not saying that the wick doesn't want to spend. However, I do believe it's now like two to one. So if you bring someone in and they've got, Four million left on their deal, let's say, or whatever. You're paying double that, add to the tax. So now you're really so you could bring in a player at a certain level, but it really costs you almost double or triple because of where you are as a team. So for me, Brad Stevens has his six or seven guys. I hope I don't see a lot of Sam Hauser in the postseason, but I'm not expecting anything. Well, I would say add, add, add. Pile on. If you can, it'd be yeah, great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And because and, a lot of people are like, well, they have enough. Well, Porzingis was hurt the other day. Or Cornette was hurt. Uh, neither one of those guys played the other night. Uh, who knows, uh, you know, if uh, what, what what happened to Drew Holiday. You know, with what if, uh, you know, Derek White gets hurt. I mean, they have a ton, a, a ton of great players. And they got decent depth. And their bench will be shortened once the playoff starts. There is no doubt about that. But Hauser, Pritchard, and Cornette, all those guys are still going to play. Like, Hauser is going to be, Hauser is going to end up being a major factor in some game where he comes off the bench and he just gives you maybe six points, nine points in a hurry, and you end up catching up to whatever deficit you put yourself in. Uh. He is going to be, he's, he, I think that's his role. That's him well, off I the need- bench. I need, Open. I need further pondering before we wager on that. This is the way championship teams are. This is the way you have some some off the bench guy that really only does one thing really good. Doesn't get enough credit for you know he's a good defensive player, but he's out there to get buckets. Overplaying Tatum, Brown, Porzingis. He's wide the frick open. He's got lots of time and space, and this is what he does. 
and he gives you an easy bucket. Like, uncontested threes with him, I would say eight out of ten times he's making them. Well, he is clearly the beneficiary of having those high-end players on the floor and he gets him some shots, and they do trust him. I just wondered how much you're really going to get him into the lineup. That's all. Again, I need more breakdown. I got to get in the lab and really think about it before I present to you some sort of, you know, silly wager. There's always some guy... That like I would say in a way Grant Williams was that guy a couple mm-hmm. times like off the bench and holy crap look at this guy made an unbelievable play we're beating the Milwaukee Bucks and a, a lot of it because of on his shoulders he didn't he's not expecting it he don't really think you need it but sure as hell he ends up you know saving your ass Caleb uh, Martin for the Heat last year Caleb good Martin. good poll no, absolutely. No. Uh, I know we have some calls to get to but this just in. Uh-oh. Um, oh no, it's uh it's not bad for the Red Sox signed somebody. No, it's uh it's not bad for us, but Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator with Detroit, is staying. Really? Yep. Oh, I know it. I know no what the theme Seattle, is. No Seattle, no Washington. What, the what theme is, is it? He's next in line. No, they promised no, no, him the no, job no, like no, Mayo. No, They're no. gonna be more collaborative in Detroit. No, no, oh, no, no, sorry. no. Unfinished business, boys. Oh, God. Unfinished business. Good for him. Well, again. Lucky for Dan Campbell. But here's the thing, too. It's also, as we just talked about a little while ago with Mayo, it's late in the cycle. If you're Ben Johnson, who are the pool of assistants that you really can bring in with you? And you're going to have Sam Howell. And also, wait for a better opportunity. Wait for a better job, better roster. Do the whole Bill Belichick thing. Uh, uh, talented team underperforming. Go find a quarterback. Like, don't go into a no man's land where the chances of you winning with a crappy owner or long shot uh, personnel and some guy that you don't know. Don't do it. He's got these guys that that work on these teams have already set a philosophy, protocol, and team. Everybody knows each other. Let's do it again. Let's run it back. Uh, Nick just whispered in my ear. Apparently, uh, some teams were turned off at the price tag. He was uh, looking for some dough. See, I think he get? did that on purpose. Well, I don't blame he over, him. He over. Hey, here's the thing. If, if Ben Johnson goes to Washington, they have the number two pick. If we're sitting there in two and a half years and they stink and they drafted a quarterback high at number two, that guy, Ben Johnson... His reputation goes to put. He he then almost becomes a career offensive coordinator by just jumping at a head coaching job. And maybe he's getting bad juju, or maybe he's getting bad vibes, or maybe that guy Adam Peters is like, yeah, we might not take quarterback at number two. Maybe we'll take Marvin Harrison or whatever. So there might be some more going on with that Washington job. I mean, if you have one of the top candidates who's saying no and you have the number two pick, what isn't connecting there? That doesn't seem right. 617-779-7937. This is Crash and Fourier on WEEI. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. Hey, did you see what they're uh, doing for All-Star Weekend in the NBA? Adrian Wojnarowski just, uh, oh, no, this is the fake Woj, damn it. I hope that I hope I didn't get burned on the other one because I thought that was from the, the NBA. Thing? Yeah, it's uh, I think it's real. I think it Shams is. had it. Yeah, Steph Curry and Sabrina Onescu 
will go head-to-head in the first NBA WNBA three-point challenge during All-Star Weekend. I saw a fake one that had uh, Diana Taurasi and uh, Clay Thompson in there. That was the fake so one. So we're going uh, uh, Curry versus uh, so NBA versus WNBA, but um, same distance? Nope. She'll be WNBA distance 26, 20 feet, 6 inches, something like that. I think they use international. And in the NBA, you're looking in the corners, it's like 22 feet 9, and elsewhere it's like 23 feet plus. I mean, shouldn't we keep it the same distance? Uh, No, God, no. Why That's not? what makes this different. Oh. What's the middle ground? Yeah, what's the middle ground? He doesn't know. He just wanted to ask him. I'm I don't just, either. I'm terrible at math. No, no, I'm just saying. Like, put it at 22 feet and be done with it. Because isn't college the same? College, college, uh, three point line, men's and women's, it's the same, is it not? Well, I think the, no, I think the, uh, uh, no, I think the problem is, is that, uh, the WNBA, I think, has international markings in terms of like three point or whatever. But really, the general thing is, is that, okay, not the worst thing in the world for the NBA to try to do. It's at least a little different. I mean, it's better than when they got rid of, uh, and I'm sure uh, Billy and maybe not so much Nick, but Billy might remember this. And Christian, do you remember when they got rid of the dunk contest and they tried to do um, a legend and a current NBAer and a current WNBAer in like a skills competition? So like Seattle, not Seattle, San Antonio, I do believe, like they had, it was like uh, Tony Parker. Becky Hammond, who played in, I do believe, San Antonio for the WNBA team, and, like, George Gervin. So they would put them together, and they'd be like, oh, look at all these dribbling drills. And people were like, this sucks. Get out of here. Uh, this was more of a, the one you're thinking of is uh, they have, like, spots. Yeah. So you had to rotate who shot what. That's and right. And it ended with the three of them chucking up half-court half court shots. Half-court shots. Yeah, yeah I remember that. And I think that. they had, like, passing drills or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they've done that with the point guards. Like, oh, God. You know, dribble through, uh, through the statues or whatever, throw the ball into these hoops and sprint and make a layup. You're chucking threes. Okay, that's like a home run derby in a way. People, will, I think, will be interested in that. But the whole, you know, oh, we went to a skills competition. No, don't screw it up. Uh, I know they do, like, the young superstars game or whatever. It's like a freshman-sophomore game the in a way. stars game. Yeah. So you got rising stars. Give me a good three-point shootout. Give me a little uh, dessert here with uh, Curry against Onescu. That would be fun and different. Uh, and Make then give people me a, do the dunk contest. And then give me, it's terrible now. Well, and that's the thing. I don't know it's if It's never going to be the same. See, it's I, never going to be the same. That was a once-in-a-lifetime situation. It's It kind of lasted, call it 10 years, I don't know, when it's heyday, when we were all younger, when it actually mattered, and Spud Webb, and, you know, Michael Jordan, and Dr. J. I mean, yeah, Dr. J was even before that, though, to be honest with you. ABA. And who was the other guy? Uh, Dominique Wilkins. Like, that? Oh, yeah. That's when it, like, actually mattered. Now, here's what I would do. Here's the here's what I would do. I think I know what you're about to say. You don't have a you don't have, I can tell I, you right now, not okay. a chance in hell you know right. what I it has all nothing right. to do with the dunk contest. Oh okay. it has to do with what that's, I thought you were gonna try to fix the dunk contest. Oh no, no, no. Uh play knockout. Play knockout. That's what the kids do. Take all your best shooters, play knockout. Simple. I it, want all the bigs to shoot the free throws though. 
That would be um, a big man free throw shooting contest. That would be that funny. would be good too. Andre Jordan has to the, shoot for the free throws. The, yeah, the the ten worst free throw shooters <laughs> yes. in the NBA. Yes, match up against yes. each other. Yes, in a game of knockout. Yes, right? they all get yes. to the line. And there you be, go. And listen. You would hope that they would be able to laugh at themselves. Can we do some? That about, would be great. How about around the world? I, I'm done. I'm down with that, that also. I'd love to play that I against love the kids. Around yeah. the world. Around you, the world's great. And you take again. You take the ten worst shooters, like you know, uh, with at least a hundred or more attempts, right? Because you gotta like, you can't. Hey, I only shot the ball ten times, right? Okay, no, at least a hundred or more attempts, and you are automatically. It's like the Hunger Games, okay. You are automatically entered into this shooting competition, whether you like it or not. Man. That's what I would do. Force them to do it. Who gives a crap about, oh, we get to pick teams? Like, nobody's even, nobody cares about picking teams. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That whole schoolyard pick, it was, it was. That's un- just a, you know, bust chops on the person who gets picked last. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, so and, make, make it be well, Jokic. Oh, no, okay. but, but remember. Well, I give him a car. No, but remember now it's like, oh. Let's be sensitive. He was the last one picked. Right, like nothing was better than when Phil Kessel was sitting on the bench by himself when the NHL did it. <laughs> you got it, Billy. Ove- Ovechkin wanted to be picked last yeah. and was upset when he got picked because he wanted a car. Oh. You know, Wait, why do you oh, get a car? Because uh, you were the last year, Mr. Orwell. Because you were the last one picked in the All-Star draft, and it ended up, yeah. But by God, you know, now it was like, oh, well, LeBron picked him last, and boy, hopefully he'll be okay. You're an a freaking all star. Yeah, I don't. I, you I, probably got a bonus to be there. Shut up. Take your fifty thousand dollars, and you're the last pick. Hoopy do. That's what I would do. I would make uh, the big guys uh, do just or or actually, you know, would even be better. It, I would add to like the, all. There was like a big guy competition, a little guy competition. Even the big guys have to dribble, go through some cones, go under some sort of like you know, whatever. What do you think of this? Because uh, there was. Moons ago, when Clyde Trexler was playing in Portland. There's another dunk contest. Moons guy. ago, right? They did a thing. I want to say Sports Illustrated wrote a column on how high they could set the rim for Clyde Drexler to dunk. And I want to say it was like 11 feet, 8 inches or well, something that's a, like that. Whatever the top of the backboard is would be it. Well, that's a little rough. I don't know if you can go that high, but... What if you dunked on like an eleven and a half foot rim or something? I like, like I that? like the way you're thinking. It's almost like name that tune. You ever watch name that tune? Absolutely. Well, I can name that tune in five notes. Well, I can name it in two notes. Oh, well, name that tune. But you do the same thing with the rim. I can dunk uh, ten feet uh, six, twelve five. I'm gonna get it. Put it okay, up there. okay. I can go twelve seven and a half. And there's some guy okay. Dunk it. Oh yeah, and he's yeah. That's I have to do at home. And the then the guy says dunk the it, and then he's got to go dunk it. Yeah, there's some guy there with a buttoner, like with a, a clicker that just makes you go higher or lower. We just fixed it. We just fixed it. We that did. would be great. It's literally like name that tune, but name your height. Now I wish we could figure out how to make the hockey stuff this interest or this weekend more interesting. It used to be fun. It used to be, but when? like, well, they would years ago. they would have a they would have like hard shot. There would be the skills competition. I also think too. The Chara and Shea Weber were shooting pucks 110 miles. An uh, hour yeah, exactly. That was like 98 tops. Yeah, and and here's the other thing too. Like it feels like while there are star players in the NHL, there aren't kind of like the mainstream stars. Like there used to be to where you would want to sort of see that kind of stuff. Anyway, well, get all that in there. 617-779-7937.
Robin and Maine wants in on Brady and Mahomes, which we talked about earlier. Robin, go ahead. Hi, sorry, I'm a little late on the topic, but uh, I just wanted to I wanted to say um, that uh, Mahomes will never achieve what Brady has achieved. He'll uh, Brady will always be more legendary because he was picked at such a late round, and Mahomes was expected to be as good as he is. Robin, I can't argue that uh, one bit, and I think it's it's sound logic. Again, we're in the we're paralyzed by the moment. Not only is it paralysis of analysis, it is also the recency bias bowl. And, well, I'll tell you, though, Christian, what if San Francisco wins and Mr. Irrelevant ends up beating Patrick Mahomes? Well, the, the other thing, the other um, sneaky, I guess, uh, accomplishment by the Chiefs would be the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowl since that 0304 Patriots team. That's right. Which I secretly want to own. I'm like I feel like a Dolphins player, you know, that played in that undefeated season. Oh, no. Cuz you want to you want it to be understood or at least like, you know, realize nationally how unbelievably challenging that is and only the best of the best of the best can go back to back. So, have so you I'm, have you talked to any of your teammates no. about any of this? I'm no, just curious somebody, if there if you guys are going to be you know popping bottles at uh, no, 11:30 on not, Sunday night. It is, and I mean, it hasn't been done since then. No, it's I mean, it's only been done what three three or four times in the history of the NFL. So it might be a little more. Oh, it might be a little more than that. Now that I think of it. The Steelers, the Green Bay Packers, one and two. Well, there's, <laughs> you know, let's okay. go back to that. So you know what? You're right. So we go Green Bay. The Steelers did it twice yep. in a six or seven year period. Uh, Dallas under Jimmy Johnson, I think, went back to back. Okay, I do believe 49ers? 49ers Montana? in Montana, eighty eight, eighty nine, would have gone back to back. Broncos went back to well, it's more than I thought. Yeah, and then the Patriots. But it's now 20 years because so Denver's would have been late 90s. Uh, Dallas would have been early 90s. Frisco, late 80s. Uh, Steelers, Dolphins 70s. All the Dolphins in the Real 70s. Real early Dolphins. Yeah. Okay. So, but to your point, this is, I don't know exactly, but this is probably the longest period of time that the league has gone without well, back-to-back Super Bowl champions. It, it, it is nuts. Like as soon as the Patriots dynasty kind of ended officially, there it's almost like uh, they just implemented another dynasty team that will that has the most important aspect, which is the you know second coming of Jesus Christ in cleats, which is you know Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. multiple uh, playoff appearances, multiple uh, Super Bowl appearance, multiple opportunities. To go back-to-back. Wow, listen to this. In 73-74, the Dolphins went back-to-back. The next two years was the first of when the Steelers went back-to-back. So we actually had a four-year stretch in the league in the 70s where it was the Dolphins and the Patriots, or the Dolphins and the Steelers. And the Raiders never did it, huh? Raiders never did, nope. Um, They might have gotten there maybe in back-to-back years, but uh, no. But no, the Packers did. Packers went back to back, won it, but then lost to the Broncos. So this is the so this would be the longest period of time that the NFL has gone without back to back Super Bowl champions. You have a reason to root against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, in support of you, I will do so. Thank you. Because uh, I understand Lots of the negative energy. And, you know, no, but, you know, when you cover those as well, I mean, those glorious times in Houston and Jacksonville. I have all these, like, uh, I have that Time Hop app, 
you know, that comes up. I don't, I don't know, if you know have what it. this is. No, you don't know. Time the- hop. Oh, is that a it's co- like Facebook? Page. No, I know. Seriously, I swear to God, I don't have it at all. I don't even go on like my Facebook Messenger. It's just any People picture. Send me stuff there all the time. How does no it work? Idea. So, like any picture that you either take or you tweet out or Instagram is like kind of saved in like a daily, you know, it's like a daily folder tracker. And then it goes back and then it just an anniversary of that picture. It pops up and tells yeah, you. Yeah, so you can. It could be ten years. It could be ten years ago. I know that. Okay, and I that picture on pops my up. Facebook from uh, because it would have been uh, in Arizona like eight years ago. Or yeah, whatever. so yeah, I'm getting nothing okay. but Super Bowl pictures. Yeah. Uh, radio row pictures, celebration pictures, confetti pictures, all that stuff. The good old days. Think about it. <laughs> we will not be going to another Super Bowl. No, I'm like I can't even think about when it, it's not even it's not even like part of my daily uh, my yearly kind of. If it takes him twenty years to get back, you'll be seventy two and I'll be sixty nine. Oh, right, nice. <laughs> I mean, twenty years. I think that's realistic. I am with you. I think it's realistic. There's a there's a lot of things that are trending in a the wrong Dallas Cowboys direction. still have not gone. Nope. 49ers all fixed it. The Steelers fixed it. Right? They the, the Green Bay Pack so it could be done with the right and I think the key is you have to have the right ownership group obviously, you know, the right, you know, uh, general manager in charge, management structure. Management structure. If you have the right management, what you would I would think that the Patriots are up there with the Packers and the 49ers mm-hmm. and even the 49ers have had different ownership groups, the Steelers the Giants, I think, would be a strong ownership group. Uh, yeah. Uh, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Any team um, that just constantly just, listen, they make the right decisions. Like, they do the right thing. They have, like, tough times, but they hire smart coaches. They support them. They give them the necessary tools, and they get out of their way. Like, that's the key. Those are the keys. Meanwhile, we're still just <laughs> figuring out the plan. The plan! The plan! The plan! I just... Uh, I Here for trying. a long season. Oh, bro. It's going to be a long season. I'm, I'm, and there's going to be a lot of excuse you. making. Oh, yeah. A lot of a lot of context that Belichick wouldn't have gotten, but Mayo's going to get from the fans. The, 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 it's so funny. Like the, uh, If the Red Sox had any sort of sense, like there is a, a power structure <laughs> that is finally... Like the Patriots finally gave it up. They own this town. Owned oh, yeah. it. Easily. The Red Sox, for a good portion, owned it. It is 100% back to the Celtics. They own the town. The Bruins. The biggest star in Boston is Jason Tatum. Number yeah. number two seller behind Steph Curry in yeah. terms of jersey in the NBA. Oh, there's your first sign. That, that it was National Brady. appeal. Brady that used to be Brady. Was oh, yeah. Top, top 10, yep. if not higher. I want to say his Patriots jersey, number 12 jersey, was still in, the, in the, the top like 20 or something like that, even though when he was with the Tampa Bay Bucks, That's how, like, how much, how much, uh, you know, shine he was getting. There's no doubt. I mean, he was a, it was an automatic sell. Whatever uniform you would end up throwing it in, like even a, a Pro Bowl uniform, you'd be able to move Brady merch. It's just the way it is. I th- I'm not that I really care about the Red Sox right at the moment. But you're going to talk about Justin Turner leaving and well, how it's terrible it's the organization sh- didn't try to throw an offer his way? Not that he was the difference maker, but it's another sign that they just 
aren't willing to do anything. Yeah, Lanny's going to be taking at bats for the Red Sox this year. To wait, well, they trending. should let us. They should. Next thing you know, it's going to be some sort of like contest, and you know, like this uh, is the year for you to be the third base coach. I feel like it's time. It I think is. they need some positive news. But, I feel like I should really fight for that now. However, I think for Billy, if he were to get some at bats, it'd be home run or nothing. Because not only oh, he's be swinging bust, out of his shoes, you wouldn't just be give bust. me a chance. I just want to take a couple hacks. Like, I don't go. think I can hit it out of the pocket. I think I could probably hit it off the wall, not out. Bye. Do you think? Would you? But if you're we not can running work hard. Out, like, what about just batting practice? Can we like? Can we start there? Would love to. Would absolutely love to. I think we should. I think we can make that happen. Let's start Chris, with that. That's, 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 that's just, just going to say one people. swing. And be like, I can hit the red seat. Yeah, we'll try to hit the red seat. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can hit it out. I think I might be able to hit it off the wall. You know but I don't think I can hit it out. I'm really a small ball I also player. Swung a bat, and I can't tell you. How I long. can't. I'm with you. I can't remember. I'll be at the bat. I think the problem. Give us a date. Give us a date when we can do it, and then we can kind of prep. <laughs> we can have Coop like videotape our montages getting. Ready. Oh my god! Wow, you're into this. Okay, good. I think we need to make this happen. I'm just into the idea. I'm just into. <laughs> well, no, usually he doesn't like my stupid ideas, no, no, but I feel no. like he's down with this. Normally, one. Billy does. I'm the one who cancels dinners. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. I think I think yeah. this is a we can tie <laughs> it to we can tie it to a Greg Hill Foundation something. Why does that have to be tied to anything? Yeah, because, why? because why? Sucks. how come it just can't be able to make a phone call and say, yeah. "Look, I have five guys. Yeah. Give yeah. us the field it, for an hour." Yeah, if even why do we? Why? Why does it have to be tied into everything? Why does everything have to be? Don't talk to me. Can we not be selfish for two minutes? Let's just be. I agree with you. Say, hey, yep. Why don't you give us a chance? We carry the games. We work with the team. We have five guys that want to take a couple hacks. Give us an hour. That's if fine. Even yeah. that, if even that. If even an hour. We'll do the show over there that day. Right. Around 2 o'clock. We'll go hit some fungos. Right. Let me get in the outfield and see if I can I'm, play I'm that wall. You. I am, like, done. Instead, now it's Fourier. Oh, oh charity. Uh, it's got to be money no, for people. No, I got to write it off as a deduction. <laughs> How would I write anything <laughs> off? See, now you turned on me. Well, yeah, you turned yeah. on me. No, it isn't. What do you mean? It's, it's always... It's, parking. It, I would say you most write people... write off the parking. Most people, <laughs> most organizations are more willing to, I don't know, do something they normally wouldn't do if, is, uh, if they can get tied into some sort of goodwill campaign. That's how I'll say it. That's how I'll serve it up. Well, we need to see how Christian plays the wall because he was all over Yoshida from his playing one ball in left field. Too easy. It's, it's, I don't need any practice for that. I can judge the ball. I can see how fast it's going. I can adjust. Right. I have cat light reflex. My lateral speed is better than my is than than uh, you know just going straight. My lateral like you know agility is better. Like the three cone drill. Mm, look out. Uh, listen, it takes a hop off the scoreboard. Uh, you know, I'm going to wear a Ricky, face mask. Ricky Henderson was one of the best defensive players ever, and he would have eaten up left field. So, no reason why you couldn't do the same. Just let us take some hacks. Let us try to play the ball off the wall, and we're out of your way. Okay. Oh, oh. Nick, cut that this last clip. Who okay. am I it to? Oh, to me. No, I send know, it to me. I and know what's I, about to happen. Don't worry. Like put no, together something. No, he Ken's will, not no. doing anything. He knows what I'm going to do. No, I know. This what, is our yep. best chance of getting this done. Send it to me, please, and I will put in the first request. I will put in an official request. I know. It had nothing to do with Ken. And I know where you're. I know how okay. you're doing it, and I know why that the audio is needed. Yes, it's a good call. Right. Yep. How much of it do you want? Like the last five minutes? This, this is the important stuff where, you know, and Billy's like, why can't we just take hacks? I don't know if this is going to happen, but you probably not. You have the best. No, in. I no, have a great in. Christian has the best in to get this done. It's just whether we can make it work with our time slot type thing. We and, can do it. None of us want to go on a Saturday. Oh, yeah, we're not yeah. doing no, 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 no. We can do it after the show. Yes, be great. But, yes. Like, you know, we're not coop. No. You know what I mean? 
Who would? I I'm mean, not doing this before the show. Yeah, no, no, not before the show. And we're definitely not on a Saturday or a Sunday. Just cut it for me, Nick, please, and I'll give you guys updates. Uh, now, are you going to include Coop in this as well? Because if uh, he if, would die if I didn't, I would. Uh, I, I would, would agree. To include him. No, I had him in as the five of us. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I would never. I, somebody's got to pitch. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Oh. Well, that's the rest of the play. Tessie crew can be the ones to field and pitch. Yeah. We have all the fun. I'm, all, I'm in for shagging. I'm not only like yeah. I'm, <laughs> me too. Bubba. I'm gonna. But <laughs> I'm just gonna say. <laughs> yeah. No. As evidenced by Bubba. I, I'd, hey, be, I'd be just as excited to catch pop fly. I would be to take hacks. Wait, what is this? Coop just sent me a text. What is this? I took BP on Sunday. I need this. How the hell did he get in there on Sunday? Not even mentioned to us that this was happening. Some bitch. <laughs> yeah, come I on. don't know. That is. He's got that. He wasn't in Fenway. Oh, uh, it's not a Fenway. Oh, Sunday, I oh, well, yeah, who cares? Who cares? Oh, yeah, I right. went to the batting cages in Cumberland. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw that place. Yeah. Oh, I went to the 318-foot fence in uh, Malden or whatever, uh, Coop. Uh, Good grief. You know, I what, you, know what I'll, you know what I'll take? I'll even take a wiffle ball field that looks like Fenway to play on one of those. I have one down <laughs> in my neighborhood. Those things are awesome. Well, we could always go to Polar Park. There is that. Yeah, we did that already. Well, we could go to the we rotting did. corpse. Oh, of but I mean, it's the same dimensions, right? Yeah, we can go to the rotting corpse of McCoy Stadium before they build that high school. We can go down there mm. and do that. Hit them off the berm. You might end up running into some rats or whatever. Cheetah's but- still there? What's that? Is Cheetah's still down there? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Love oh, it. yeah. Cheetah's is still. I think Deja vu. A main I think, stage with a rug on it. I think they've had to change the name a couple of times. I think they had their issues. Yeah, definitely. There's also the topless place too. We can call old Dick, <laughs> we can call Dick Chappie down there and get a set up if if a need be. Are you done? Is next. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A U D A C Y. Say W E E I is a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now more Gresh and Fourier on W E E I. Now it's time for. Are you done? Are- are you done? Are you done? Are you done? You done, right? You done, right? Are you done? Are you done? On Crash and Fourier. All right, time for Are You Done? Where we head uh, our way out the door. By the way, tomorrow, Andy Hart will be with us. Brian Baldinger has got to slide up from Thursday to Wednesday again because of uh, some stuff that he's got going on. Don't know if he's going to the Senior Bowl or not. Uh, a lot of college coaches are down at the uh, Senior Bowl. We'll have to dive more into that as uh, practices have been going on. Uh, we got big deal, no big deal tomorrow, 1245. So uh, already a good chunk of the show put together for you tomorrow. Billy Lanny, are you done? Uh, I am not. Oh, so yes. we, uh, we go to Japan for this story. Oh, really? The Asa Zoological Park in Hiroshima. Okay. They were doing their drill in case, hey, what happens if a bear escapes? <laughs> So they put that like like, for real? I wonder if they put that like on the calendar. Hey, in January, let's go through our bear. Oh my gosh, it's on Twitch. So what they did was they put a person in a bear costume to simulate (laughs) what it would be like (laughs) if a bear escaped. (laughs) This is amazing. Involved a bear that escaped from its enclosure when an earthquake caused a tree to fall, (laughs) gave the male bear a way to climb out of the enclosure. The video of the drill shows staff using barricades to corner the bear before simulating the process of tranquilizing it. <laughs> it goes into a net. Oh. So they put a person 
in a bear costume to simulate what happens if an actual bear was to escape. Oh, and that guy just whacked him, whacked that bear with a rake. on the head <laughs> yeah. with a whacked rake. With a rake. It's like, my old man would have done yeah, in 1986. Right? I guess that's what they think works. I mean, I didn't know a rake to the head works. I thought it was always act bigger than the bear. Then you'd be good to go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like climb up a tree or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, they climb as quick as they run. Now, Billy, isn't it, and Christian, isn't it a little weird that there seem to be an inordinate <laughs> amount so of small funny. children around know. this, you know, hey, drill they're doing, well, right? You gotta be. You gotta simulate real life. There are children at the well, zoo. I'm sure that four-year-old's gonna grab that rake and whack right? the bear and if it shells up in Nagano. Right, and I don't know if they're necessarily gonna be, like, standing around watching the bear. Like I they wouldn't, are here. I wouldn't think, yeah. Well, like look at that cute, thing. That thing is vicious looking. Cute little girl. And oh, the, yeah. the, best, the best clip is the dude who hits him over the head with the rake, and the bear goes, oh, my head. Uh, oh, my head. Look at him all twisted up in the neck, hit him with the rake. I think this is going to work. I think this is accurate. Guys, I think we're ready. So, I think we're ready think just we're in case. Right. I, I wonder if down Rhode I Island. I pray for an earthquake, but uh, I mean, like. I mean, I wonder if, like, uh, Roger Williams Zoo or uh, what's the other one around here, like Southwicks or something yeah, like yeah, that? Southwick. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Southwicks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if stone them. I wonder if they do similar drills like this for whatever kind of wild animals right. they, they might have. A guy perched in a little jeep with a tranquilizer gun ready to roll. I mean, I love that tranquilizer gun. I wonder what's <laughs> written on the side of that thing, right? <laughs> Like, yeah, no, I know, they, right? That's how they do it. Not a real gun. Yeah, or it's the or the guy slid in like a real tranquilizer <laughs> yeah. dart. Oh, look at them. They got to carry him. They show him how to carry him and put him in the van after he's been tranquilized. Oh, my God. Um. Imagine that guy. He had to lay down and be carried by other humans while in a bear costume. Right? I wonder if they have one of those online certificates that they passed. Ah, there you go. Oh, they got him in a net. They put him in the net and they had to stick him in the van. What else are you going to do that's, with him? You know what? The You're bear right. was out of control. They probably had to log into their uh, company website portal and make sure to answer 10 questions about it afterwards. Yep. Watch this two and a half minute video and give me the answer. Yeah, quiz. yeah. Now you can come back to work. Right. Exactly yeah, now right. You can handle when a beast goes loose. Because we weren't really oh. sure. HR didn't trust your, you know, your decision making, you know. Guy from the 207 in the Twitch chat, bears are naturally afraid of rakes. That's Fine. True. Good call. I'll take it. Hey, that is it, oh, folks. that was unbelievable. We what are an done. Well done, Billy. Uh, hell of a show today. Yeah. Again, Andy Hart We're tomorrow. We're rally, everybody. Baldy tomorrow. Oh, my God. I'm going to go home and go sleep. I don't know what is up with me. I had a rough wake up. Anyway, Jones and Mego are next. Chicken Nick and Billy producing on radio. If something went wrong, blame them. Same for Coop on the digital side. Foye and I will see you tomorrow bright and early at 10 a.m. Thank you for listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.